This is the show that will not end. Uh, Kuba Bogutchewicz. Uh, Kuba said that Apple used to have many edits of one original. This is within the context of photos. Uh, Aperture had it and called it versions. You could have many versions of one master and it worked. This is uh, with regard to what John was uh, asking for last episode. It's a nice reminder. Reminder of what we've lost. Uh, you know, for people who are in the Apple ecosystem and remember the days when Apple had a pro video, uh, pro photo editing app, and then one day they didn't anymore. And Lightroom is great and you can get it and it's by Adobe and it's good that there's competition in that market. Uh, but very often I forget that Aperture even existed. Uh, if you had reminded me that Aperture existed, I probably would have remembered this multi-version thing because I did try Aperture a few times, especially when they got like that where it used to share its library with iPhoto in some weird way that never really worked quite right. Um, yeah, I kind of missed that. I wish that stuff would come. I wish iPhoto stuff would come back to photos. And if you run out of iPhoto stuff to steal, you can bring stuff from Aperture. Like it's all in the family. They've got that source code. They, those people are still there somewhere, right? All right. An an anonymous person wrote in and said, I was speaking with an Apple macOS engineer and they said they will or have been making better versions of the new MacBook Pro keyboard and using them in newly produced units without any public acknowledgement or change of model number. By implication, Apple will also be using these refined keyboards in any MacBook Pro keyboards. They said that this refinement of component designs is very common, and they said that it is often good to wait a few months after a new product is released so that you can get the revised versions of any components that that were found to have had issues after release. Why do they have to prove John right? I like the idea of them, uh, you know, modifying the product but not changing the the model number. Like just to just to add an air of mystery, kind of like, oh, these are the good ones. Yeah, I know, I know, it's exactly the same part, and it looks exactly the same, and the model number is the same. But these are the good ones. Like we <laughs> we learn so much about about assembling the old ones that we you know put magic special dust in it. Like I mean, they do. You do refine your manufacturing process. Like you refine the assembly. You could even refine some of the uh, the materials for the pieces. You could source them from different places. This happens in the manufacturer of any remotely complicated good and i imagine you don't always change the model number but as a consumer this this is like telling us what we want to hear like oh, if you buy later they're better like i always believe that voodoo too and you know it's always good to like wait a little bit even if only from like the uh uh the old style uh american car battle days of american car manufacturing where you don't buy the cars that were assembled on a friday because the workers don't care that much and they just want to go off for the weekend right and so they don't do a good job assembling your car the idea that after after some company has been building a thing for some period of time, every part of the process of building it becomes refined and the people slash machine slash whatever get better at building the thing, even if every single part of it is the same. And so you kind of don't want like the very first PlayStation 4 off the assembly line. Maybe you want the the 7,000th or 100,000th versus the first three. Uh, but all those are things that are just kind of like... Uh, modern day folk tales i tell myself to make myself feel better about delaying purchases for a small amount of time it's kind of the opposite of marco's folk tales that he tells himself to make himself feel better about buying things immediately but we all have our stories <laughs> to make us feel to make us feel good about our decisions honestly i i would like to believe this uh but i just don't, i just don't know and by the way in my defense the macbook escape came out in october i bought it in march Oh, look at you waiting six months. Woo. Wait, 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 which one? The first one or the second one? Because you did buy it before. You did order it before it even was shipping to anybody, if I recall. Yes, that's true. But the one I actually own, <laughs> the one that I didn't cancel and that I let deliver to me, the MacBook Escape, I ordered it in March. 
Well, that's good because the one you got, they've totally sorted out the sticky keyboard situation. Uh. <laughs> yeah. so this anonymous person would say, oh, Marco got the last bad one, but now they're using all these refined ones that have the same model number. Mm-hmm. We are sponsored this week by Betterment. Investing made better. Go to betterment.com slash ATP to learn more. Betterment is a smarter way to invest your money, providing investing advice through smart technology, automated investing service, and human advisors. They have changed the industry by using the same strategies that financial advisors use with clients who have millions of dollars, but now they're available to everyone. This includes smart rebalancing, global diversification and investments, tax-efficient strategies and tax harvesting, and so much more. Betterment's mission is to help you manage and grow your investments to build your financial future, all with low fees, so you so you lose less of your money along the way. Because, you know, if you do the math, typical investment fees and costs really add up over time, and Betterment's fees are a fraction of the cost of other financial services. And Betterment is so easy to use that they've won awards for their customer experience. You can even see for yourself by logging into a demo account right on the website if you're curious. And, and for a limited time, if you sign up for Betterment, you may qualify for a free Canary home security system. So terms and conditions do apply, and investing involves risk. To learn more, visit Betterment.com slash ATP. That's Betterment.com slash ATP. Betterment, investing made better. Let's start the show proper. Let's do what we really need to do. Let's do what we've been waiting on for several months now. Let's talk about software uh, methodologies. Marco, <laughs> why don't you start? Uh, I believe in uh, fully test-driven, agile, stand-up oh, parking God, lot stop. development. Oh, God, stop. Okay, so we, let's talk about WWDC. So if for some reason you don't know what we're talking about, WWDC is a Worldwide Developer Conference. It is happening next week as we record this in San Jose, California. First time that uh, any of us have been to San Jose for DubDub. Um, it did happen there back in the days before anyone really cared about Apple. Don't write me. Uh, but now we're coming back to San Jose. It's going to be a new experience for all of us. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on. And there's been surprisingly little chatter about what's forthcoming. And I bet you if you were to listen to past episodes, I bet you I've said that the last several years. But, man, sitting here now, the way I remember the the chatter leading up to iOS 10, iOS 9, and 8, and 7, I feel like we knew a lot more about what was going into those releases than we do what's going into uh, iOS, well, what presumably will be iOS 11. Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, especially because, I mean, first of all, it's a little bit weird. Like, we've heard a lot of kind of like weak second-tier rumors, but very little of much credibility or or of much certainty. And it seems like, you know, and, and, and the rumors are so spread out and relatively diverse in their nature like it isn't like all about one product or all about one thing that it's looking like it's going to be a pretty potentially pretty big wbdc but that nobody can really say for sure exactly why (laughs) which is kind of interesting yeah Uh, it's kind of fun that way like we have a whole bunch of things that we've heard might happen or are supposed to or intended to happen maybe but uh but i don't but really nothing like Nothing as concrete as a lot of previous uh, leaks and reports have been. We can make it up in volume. Like, you're right, there's no, like, big spearhead, like, the one big thing everyone's looking for and then the ancillary things. It's just a bunch of other things. It kind of reminds me, 
Well, maybe this, uh, maybe I'm misremembering, but was it iOS 8, the year iOS 8 was announced, and they announced all, all those features that we thought would never come to iOS, and there was, you know, no one of them was a, a you know, the thing that we all held up, but just the fact that there were so many things in iOS 8 that iOS so desperately needed, and they all came, that it would give you, it gave you the satisfaction of sort of, you know, being overwhelmed uh, with the sheer number of things that Apple was doing to improve its product, and we would all like that, right, but... The problem with these big laundry lists where there's no one thing, there's just a bunch of other stuff, is it's not all going to be there. Like, we've heard rumors of everything. They can't possibly all be there. So there's going to be some disappointments mixed in, depending on what what you care about the most, mixed in with the other stuff. So let's go through this. Uh, Somebody has done a little bit of preparation in the show notes. And since I don't know who it is, and it couldn't possibly have been Marco, that by process (laughs) of elimination means it must have been John, who shouldn't be doing any prep or research. Ahem. You haven't noticed I fill this document out before every single show? You think elves do that? (laughs) Yes, but... Yeah, oh, yes, I did. I thought it was the Keebler Elves when they were done baking. Yeah. But well, anyway, you should now honor my my uh, uh, organization here because what I have written as the, the heading for the section that we're getting into here is, says WWC hopes and dreams. Because, as Marco pointed out, the rumors are all kind of wishy-washy, like they'll probably do some iOS stuff, man. Like, all right, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that interested in predictions because if there's one big thing we can be like are they going to introduce the hoverboards or not it's been super heavily rumored let's talk about the hoverboards right instead i feel like it's what do what, what do we want or what do we think apple should do in each of these areas and obviously we'll talk about predictions in terms of handicapping them how they go but i feel ill-equipped this year to offer any kind of prediction about what will be announced at wwc but i feel reasonably well equipped to, to talk about what I would like to see, and then secondarily, what I think Apple should do. And then, like I said, inevitably we'll say, well, could they possibly do this? All right, so we're going to start, and we're going to go through software, and then we'll go through hardware, and then we'll go through, I don't know, kind of miscellaneous stuff. Can I offer an opening statement? Well, since you seem eager to, then please proceed. Well, John did. Someone's ready for the incomparable. (laughs) (laughs) no that's way too intimidating basically i I slightly disagree with with the hopes and dreams angle of this Uh, i have i have kind of prepared my expectations to be things that i would like to happen but that i also think will happen things that are realistic that are plausible that fit within apple's you know recent hopes and dreams fits within that i'm not saying like you want a hoverboard or you want them to roll the car out on the stage and do a donut i mean like we're 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 all gonna be within the realm of reason here i think that that was implied if that wasn't clear right And, and i do think before we get into specifics i would say the general trend I expect this year, you know, what, I, what I'm pretty sure will happen, like overarching themes, the most powerful messages that are being delivered. I think it's it, we're going to have a very heavy focus on Siri first and foremost, and it's going to take all sorts of different forms, which we'll get to down the road. But heavy focus on Siri, also a heavy focus on iPad productivity and kind of integrated with that iCloud drive. Uh, and then I think secondarily, we'll see things like, you know, the iOS you know, potential redesign. Uh, I think the Mac is going to be, you know, kind of mid-range priority and then relatively quiet years for watchOS and tvOS. Uh, but really heavy focus everywhere on Siri, number one, and then kind of iPad productivity and iCloud Drive, like kind of number two. So you're predicting that, um, but since you're just talking about overall theme, do you also hope for that? 
And secondarily, do you think that's what Apple should be focusing on? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, this is not only is this like, you know, here's all the cool stuff that we've made this year. But, you know, like every Apple event and like every Apple launch, um, there is a certain degree of marketing strategy that goes into how they present things, what they even present at all, uh, you know, what they name things, how things are structured. Um, And I think Apple is facing a very, very strong um, competitive force right now on the voice assistant front from both Google and Amazon and maybe even Microsoft um, that, you know, Siri has been criticized for being behind, most of it rightfully so, uh, in various areas here. Um, also, you know, Apple doesn't yet have a, uh, like a Siri cylinder slash standalone speaker thing, and we'll get to that because that's rumored to possibly be announced this this uh, week or next week, I guess. Um, so that might happen. But anyway, it just seems like Siri is an area in which kind of the the current trend of the tech sphere that Apple operates in, this is like the hot thing to be working on is to have really awesome voice assistant stuff. And Apple is widely perceived mostly fairly as being behind in that area. So I expect this to be kind of like the way last year Apple was perceived to be behind in machine learning, AI, big data kind of problems. And so last year, you heard them say machine learning like a billion times. They named everything machine learning. They bragged about how awesome their machine learning was. It was a hugely driven home talking point, and it was everything was kind of marketed around their version of saying we are doing machine learning in this awesome way, and here's here's why, and here's how we're doing it. And look at look at all the machine learning we're doing. Similarly, I, 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 that's what I think Siri is going to be this year. It's going to be like the overall theme of basically everything being called Siri, just like last year where everything was called machine learning. You know, everything's going to be named Siri, even features that aren't necessarily what we think of as Siri today. So, like, like maybe maybe Spotlight will be renamed to Siri. Maybe Search in Mail or Messages will, re- will be renamed to Siri. You know, who knows? Like, there could be a lot of angles to this. I actually think it's possible that HomeKit will be renamed to Siri. So you would just say things like, this light switch works with Siri. You know, like, I think that's a, there's a big chance of stuff like this happening, that... Siri is what Apple is going to be beating us over the head with this year. This is going to be like the talking point theme of the year. And they're going to be all about how awesome Siri is, how far they've come, and how incredibly more advanced it is than everything else out there. I think they're going to be throwing machine learning at us some more. I don't think machine learning's day in the sun is over. Like, in addition <laughs> to Siri, like, oh, here's the thing about the Siri focus. That, you know, that's what I was getting at with, like, do you, is this something you want to see and do you something you think they should do? Well, so by saying they're behind, and I agree or they're both perceived to be behind and actually are a little behind in a lot of these areas. It's something they should do if they're actually concerned with keeping up with the Joneses. Very Many times in history, Apple seems totally unconcerned with doing the same thing as other com- as its competitors are doing. In this situation, because Apple was pretty early out of the gate with Siri, like, it's not like they just didn't touch this area at all. They're in it. Like they, They're in that market of like smart assistant thing that you talk to, and they were in it very early, and they have a brand and so on and so forth. So I think it's a situation where they can't say, oh, Apple's not interested in that market, like, or we'll enter it when we think there's something. They're already there, right? They're just behind. Um, so if they can... If they can have a Siri focus, I think it is something they should. And can, if they can means, do they have the APIs and new, you know, software things to do? Do they have Siri in a tube? Or, you know, like, you have to have something behind it. You can't just sort of float on, oh, we've made Siri a little bit better, and here's some demos. You have to have something. You have to have new APIs, this is WWDC, new ways for apps to integrate it. A new product would be awesome, right? And rebranding, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to ditch HomeKit in that way. 
Um, and I don't think they care enough about the Mac to rebrand any part of it to, with Siri. I mean, you know, Apple uh, Mac OS just got Siri recently. It's like be happy for a couple of years, Mac OS. We'll pay attention to you <laughs> later. Um, we'll get but there. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is something they should do. Um, and I and I think it's also something that I would want to see them do because I like you know we, all of us except for Casey the the holdout have cylinders in our houses that we talk to. Um, and I still occasionally talk to Siri on my phone and other things like that. And I would love for Siri to get better. And I would love for there to be other products and other APIs that incorporate Siri. Like I said last show, I would like to talk to Overcast and have it play things for me. So that kind of Siri kit integration with that kind of intent would be great as well. So that theme, you know, and again, this is not, we haven't delved into the specifics. We're just saying broadly speaking, iOS, macOS, hardware, software, Siri, machine learning, uh, that type of thing. Uh, it's maybe not my biggest hope. Well, you know, hopes and dreams for it, but it is plausible. It is a thing I think they should do, and I hope they do do it. So we might as well actually finish the Siri segment now, because I the, like I think. How are you getting away with this? John usually stomps all over <laughs> us if we don't follow the show. Notes. Well, no, because he he framed it correctly as a broad. It cuts across all these things. We're not talking about just iOS or just macOS or just hardware mm-hmm. or just new products. It is he's it's an overall theme. He framed it well with his opening statement. The overall theme of the show. If you come away, you know, and it it is kind of a prediction, but I've brought it back to: Is it something you hope for, and is it something that you think they should do? So. Uh, since I sort of have the mic now, I will say that uh, Siri does not do much for me either way. It doesn't actively make me angry terribly often, although that certainly happens. And it doesn't actively help my day terribly often, although that also certainly happens. So right now, I'm pretty uninterested in all of this. That being said, if history tells me anything... Anytime I tell you that I am completely underwhelmed and uninterested in in something, which may or may not also be me being nonplussed about something, depending on who you ask, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I always end up becoming the world's biggest fan. For example, would you wait one moment while I check the time on my beloved Apple Watch? Um, So we'll see what happens if they do release a Siri in a canister. Uh, But sitting here now, I just don't care. Not a bit. So let's talk about the Siri in a canister, because this is very heavily rumored. Um, it, it it really does seem like not only is this a real product, but that this really might be announced next week. Uh, that That is what the current, uh, you know, most common rumors are saying. Um, so first of all, I think, uh, let's assume for, for the sake of this discussion, let's assume that the that this thing is real. I'm, I'm going to call it the Siri speaker for now, because like, I, I don't even know if it's going to be cylind- cylindrical shape. You know, like if, it, if it's going to have a screen... A cylinder doesn't really make a lot of sense, so it might not be cylindrical. Who knows? Um, so I'll call it the Siri speaker. Although I do think that there's actually a small chance, like kind of a long shot, that it might be Beats branded. But I think probably not. I think Siri is the stronger brand for them, and they're going to want to they're going to want to you know use that here, uh, or at least that's the one that they want to drive more. Um, so first of all, the way I picture this product, if you think about, if you think through, like. How would you do things like configure apps on it? What kind of apps would there even be on it? How would you set it up? What would manage it? The way that the Amazon family of products does this is there is an there is a uh, lady in the tube named app on your phone, and it's not that different from Apple's uh, Watch app on the iPhone. So it's like the companion app for the hardware product, which means this, this hardware product would need to be paired with an iPhone. That's what I think Apple's going to do with this product. I suspect that it's going to be like there's going to be a Siri app, much like the Amazon Lady Name app, uh, and this will be like the centralized control panel. And and I do think this is kind of just going to be iOS 
in general. Like you're going to be able to access the Siri app for other things as well. Like that could be a, cent- a centralized control panel for HomeKit devices, which might be in <laughs> Siri devices, um, any kind of integrations, apps, etc. I expect that to also then be, you know, just like the watch app is for the watch, that'll be how you manage apps and configuration, you know, advanced config- configuration of the Siri speaker device. Because if you if you have like a small, you know, it's probably gonna be like a small OLED screen on there. Uh, and it probably will be a touch screen and everything, but it's probably going to be too small and not that great for things like a full keyboard. I don't think it's going to be that size screen. It's probably going to be more like small status displays, maybe for things like timers and maybe room for a few buttons, like a few big touch targets on screen, but not like, you know, probably bigger than a watch, but smaller than a phone. What makes you think it'll have a screen at all? Have you read more recent rumors than I have? No, but but most of the rumors have said it will have a screen, uh, so I'm inclined to believe that it will. I also, having used the Amazon cylinders without screens um, for all this time, I do think it would be nicer with a screen for for, for some basic tasks. There's still there's still like you know the 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 primary interface will still be voice. But it's nice to have a screen as a secondary information output device or an ambient information output device. So for things like watching a timer countdown or displaying the weather all the time or things like that, it's nice to have a screen for things like that. I don't know if they're going to go full-blown like video screen for video calls the way Amazon has. I don't know about that because that that whole idea kind of makes not that much sense to me. It's kind of ungraceful and I don't know. I'm not sure I see Apple even though they already have like FaceTime and everything, I'm not sure I see them doing the video call market with this device um, because they already have it on all their other devices. Um, but anyway, I do suspect that they're going to have an iPhone companion app named Siri that will encompass all this stuff, pr- probably even replace what is now called the Home app. Um, it'll be like the new Home app. Now it's called Siri, and it encompasses all the stuff, and it lets you manage your Siri cylinder. Um, I expect the Siri cylinder to be primarily sold on privacy the screen itself and you know being good because it will be the first screened one of these things to market probably uh, or at least it'll be close to amazon's that's coming out at the end, at the end of this month um, i also expect apple to push sound quality hard you know apple still has big foothold in music and they have a lot of people there who care about music and frankly it wouldn't be that hard to sound better than the echo um, so i expect them to push sound quality hard it is totally possible to sound good in a small enclosure. And I know that because I have a Sonos Play 1 speaker right next to my Echo that I hardly ever use anymore because it's so much less convenient. Uh, But the Play 1 is almost the same size as as the Echo, and it sounds way better. It's not even close. And so I know Apple would have the expertise to develop something really good sounding in that size class if they want to. And they probably do want to because that could be a great selling point. I would also suggest that this is also Apple... And this is also Tim Cook's Apple. So there is almost no chance it was going to be just one of these. It's probably going to be like, you know, like the Amazon one with the screen is like 230 bucks, something like that. I'm guessing the cheapest one you can buy from Apple is 300 maybe even more. And that that's not going to be the one anybody wants to buy. That there's going to be upsell models. Maybe there'll be like different materials different colors probably they're going to be things like bigger or differently specced speakers you know like and that's what sonos does they have like the small ones medium big ones and the the big ones are really expensive um 
maybe they'll even go as far as to have different storage tiers like the Apple TV, but that was kind of my comedy option. I don't actually believe they're going to do that. I hope they don't because <laughs> the actual storage tiers on the actual Apple TV are a comedy option that make no sense. Um, so I hope they've learned and I hope they don't do that here. But I'm guessing like roughly 300 bucks for a base model, but the one you're going to actually want is going to be more than that for some premium reason, probably better speakers or something like that. Um, and then otherwise i think you know this you know if it if it runs it, it would make sense for it to run apps and the way they would probably do that is very similar to how the watch is doing it so the ios app would be the host slash container and it would have a special extension that runs on the siri speaker and that the companion app would manage that relationship for you if you wanted to install or delete them um, but that it, it would be an ios extension that is not running on the phone. It's running on the speaker, but it's managed by the parent app on the phone and by the companion app. And then my other, my only other kind of long shot on this, obviously they're going to heavily push Apple Music and music is going, to be, is going to be, I think, one of the biggest selling points of this thing. I think long shot number two, besides the Beats brand, <laughs> is that they might even pull a Sonos and attack them head on and do multi-room audio from day one which currently Amazon doesn't do it all yet. I know Google announced they were going to, but have they actually shipped that yet? I don't have the faintest idea. John, you're the, you're in charge of Google Home on this show. I only, I only have one of them. Why would I know? Well, get a second one no and then idea. answer the question. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think it would be really cool if Apple did Sonos multi-room audio. Now, now that I've had a Sonos system for a couple of years, I do really enjoy that. Like, it's really nice to have speakers in multiple rooms of your house. So, like, when you're doing things around the house, you can have the same music playing in all of them. It's really nice. Um, and the main reason I don't use that anymore is because it's so much more convenient to have everything voice controlled. So, if Apple can combine those things, Amazon, I'm kind of surprised they haven't, but they haven't. So if Apple can be the first one to combine those things, and if they're going to have a heavy music focus, and if they're going to have good speakers in these things to begin with, that could be a really strong competitive advantage because they're probably not going to be as strong with like the voice accuracy or the reliability or the speed or the third-party integrations. So they can try to get advantages in other areas where Apple is strong. So things like physical design, the UI, the thing, you know, sound quality, multi-room audio, you know, major music integration. That's where I expect Apple to go with this. You have such a specific vision of this entire ecosystem of products. It makes me think you have inside information that we don't have. I, so here's <laughs> like, the thing. I that's don't. That's a lot of specifics. That's a lot of specifics. No, but I, I don't. But what I, what I basically did was I started writing out the, this note of like what I expect this thing might be. And then I started thinking about, okay, well, it doesn't run apps. You know, if it runs apps, how, where does that, where do the apps come from? And, once you th- once you're thinking through like oh, how how might they do this yeah no the, every every one of those things sounds like yeah that's exactly the way they would do it if they were doing that but what i have trouble with is you just listed out if they were to catch up with everybody on all fronts at once this is how they'd do it and i agree um but it's like <laughs> i'm pessimistic that they are going to do that like and i what i'm thinking of is of all things you described it's like okay you're not going to get all this stuff with the first product it's going to concentrate on one area or another. So, for example, one angle could be, again, if this thing is even announced at WWC, uh, multi-room audio, no screen, series speaker, right? That alone seems like a version of one product from Apple. Like, none of the other things you mentioned are there. There's no screen. There's no apps. There's no, you know, home kit, uh, central home hub thing. There's no, you know, it's just it's just series speaker. You can talk to it, and it's multi-room audio, and that's it. 
and they're expensive and there's two of them, right? I'm on board with that. Or it could be a home hub thing, but then no multi-room audio, but just like one good speaker in the thing. Or it could be a little app platform thing that isn't a speaker, but that, you know, it's like I have trouble making myself believe that today's Apple is going to come out of the gate with something so comprehensive. But well, if they did, like I agree with you that if they if they did attack on all those fronts, that's probably how they would attack on every single one of those fronts because it's based on, you know, something they've done before, technology they already have, things they're already good at, uh, and enhancements to things that they, you know, obviously we're obviously assuming enhancements to Siri to go along with this to make it more capable just in general, right? Well, but what I'm describing is a, a smaller scale than the first version of the apple watch and it's way easier to make because it's this big chunky thing the apple watch was so incredibly hyped and rumored that it was like the you know and it just the apple watch came out and it did do all those things all at once but the lead up to it matched that like it was not i mean they what they they built that whole temporary thing and had this giant special event for it and we all knew it was coming it was just like and what is it gonna be is it gonna be a holographic wrist thing that floats on it like it was just it was out of control right and they did do a really good job on it and you know they figured out the software eventually too but the series stuff is like i wonder if apple will ever have a tube thing yeah maybe oh here might be wwc maybe it'll have a screen maybe it won't probably have a speaker cool like like it's getting back to like the, the scope of like apple could make a really good bluetooth speaker as i think i said a couple of shows ago it's like yeah they could if they felt like it right and you're like no apple can dominate this whole market by doing everything super awesome way and just charging us twice as much well no i didn't say that i didn't say that because there are going to be major areas of this that apple's not going to be competitive on because it, it's all based on siri and there are major areas that siri isn't competitive on Things like speed, reliability, and certain levels of intelligence. Well, and again, like the, the the underlying premise is that the this comes along with a new and improved version of Siri. Like that, the Siri in this tube is better than Siri in all of the places. And it's an interesting question of whether say they even do that. Oh, I don't believe that at all. I think it's going to be exactly the same Siri. You think so? I mean, at the very least, I would hope that it would hear me better than the microphones in a watch or in the phone, just because they've got more room for more microphones, right? Well, it might, but honestly, I don't have much problem with Siri hearing me properly. Like, the the words that I say are usually transcribed very accurately. Uh, It's what they do afterwards that's that's usually the problem. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I have some trouble with activations, but yeah. But, like, on, on the Siri tube, speaker, screen, whatever thing, I'm currently filing this in the category of a thing that I totally believe Apple has worked on and may still be working on, but that it would not shock me if there was no dedicated Siri-related hardware announced at WWDC. So I'm not I'm not pinning my hopes on this being a WWDC, even if it's a thing they're working on, even if they are going to ship it later. I don't know. Like, just think of the Apple TV that missed WWDC. Remember when that happened? Like the new Apple mm-hmm. TV, and they were going to have it for everybody, and it just it didn't quite make it, right? So this I'm, I'm putting in that, this in that bin right now, which would be a shame, but looking down the list of the rest of the things, I still feel like they would have enough stuff to make a good keynote without any serious stuff. Um, and if they did have it, uh, like, would they save it for the end? Is that is that the biggest announcement that they save towards the, you know, the end slot where the good stuff comes? Like, they obviously, like lead with like watch os and mac os updates and then build up to the stuff that we really care about right and this is the last thing um i you know i guess we'll find out but anyway that, that's how i feel about uh the serious thing in terms of predictions that it will that it will be more constrained than all the things that marco listed and that i would not be shocked if it didn't appear and i'm not gonna and i wouldn't and honestly if everything else comes out uh you know everything else has uh, reasonably good announcements of fulfilling some of my hopes and dreams i'll be okay with that 
We are sponsored this week by Jet. Go to Jet.com and use promo code ATP for 20% off your first two orders over $35. Jet is a really cool shopping site. They have a great selection. They have fast and free shipping, and they really optimize for everyday essentials. Um, The prices are incredibly competitive. The prices drop as you shop, so the more you add to your cart, the more you can save. They have free shipping over $35, free returns within 30 days, and two-day delivery on thousands of everyday essentials. And that's with no annual membership fees, no other fees. You know, you don't have to be a certain, you know, premium member or anything to get that fast free shipping. You get all the benefits without paying any extra price. And they have 24-7 customer service with the Jethead team in Salt Lake City. You can shop from your couch. It is very, very stress-free and convenient. And again, they have a great selection. I So I tried this out and uh, and I got to say, I was very, very impressed. I, I thought they would, you know, maybe not have some really obscure stuff I was looking for you know, things like audio gear and stuff, they they had everything I searched for. I was blown away. And again, their prices are extremely competitive. The shipping was super fast. Uh, and it's really nice, again, that there's no annual membership fee to get the, the best benefits. Um, they have very competitive prices, very good ways to save money. You can even do things like micro-optimize the price. So you can do things like, if you're positive you're not going to return something, you can opt out of the return policy and save a bit of money there too. It's really cool. There's a ton of cool options. The more you buy, the more you can save. There's bulk discounts. It's pretty great. Uh, so once again, go to jet.com and they have a cool offer here for 20% off your first two orders over $35. You can use code ATP at checkout. Once again, that's at jet.com. Terms and conditions apply. See jet.com for details. Once again, 20% off your first two orders over $35 with code ATP at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. See jet.com for details. Thank you very much to Jet for sponsoring our show. All right, so I'm sorry, boss. What what are we doing right now? iOS. <laughs> iOS. Because we're going for the biggest... I feel like now, because Marco wanted to go right for the dessert and talk about the Siri, which is like, you know, the new <laughs> hardware, new product category, like the most... Probably the most exciting thing that could be announced at WWDC. Uh, you know, introducing a new product category that Apple wasn't in before. A thing, a thing that rarely happens. So we did that one, and I feel like iOS is the next biggest possible announcement because there's a lot of, a lot of uh, rumors and, and ideas around ios uh not just improving its capabilities improving capabilities of the ipad and you know adding features that people have wanted and like getting back on the the bandwagon of advancing ios but also the possibility that that major foundational interface paradigms in ios could be rethought like particularly about how how applications deal with files and drag and drop which drag and drop is like not at all and files is in 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 a way that is not like the old way where there was no access to the file system but is kind of this awkward middle ground so there's a lot of rumors surrounding that <laughs> uh, and again when we say file system we don't mean like the literal file system which is apfs now yay um but like in terms of file management there's a lot of rumors about that and all, any and all of those things are significant for ios and most of it i feel like is focused on sort of the high end of ios the devices that are big and fast and have a lot of memory not so much on your phones like what is this going to do about your phones more about like hey i've got this big powerful 12.5 inch ipad pro with the stylus uh but multitasking hasn't changed much in many years and there's no drag and drop and dealing with files is still kind of a pain um 
and for many years there have been rumors about that uh being rejiggered but this certainly seems like the year when the announcement kind of like ios 8 where the announcements for ios will be things that have been a long time coming that are super impressive that people look at and say a this is going to change how i use my ios device in a positive way and developers are going to say b i can't wait to add support for that for my application which is a perfect fit for wwc ios is the glory os and they can start adding for lack of a better word pro features to ios the crowd will love it developers will love it users will love it yeah i don't know what to make of all that i um was asked by a friend of the show, Stephen Hackett, to do a piece for his members newsletter. And so I wrote a piece that I'll eventually post on my website, but probably not for a few weeks, um, about why I think that the iOS or the iOS, gee, geez, the iPad is not for me anymore. And since I just made this public declaration that the iPad is not for me anymore, I expect that whatever is done at WWDC this year will make me go crawling directly <laughs> back to the iPad and tell everyone about how I never doubted the iPad and the iPad has always been the thing for me. But I, I think it's obvious that this is going to be a year that's heavy on iPad. I think um, I think it's possible that Federico Vitici's smile may not fit through the doors on the way out <laughs> of the keynote, which to be to truth be told is a good thing. Um, I, I I don't dislike the iPad. I just feel like I'm neutered or or not neutered maybe, but handcuffed is a better word for it, handcuffed by it. Um and and so if if a lot of the pain points that I have when using the iPad went away, that would be really great. But to come back to the ostensible point of all this, which is hopes and dreams, I do hope and dream for a better Siri API. I think it would be somewhat useful for what I do at my day job, but I think it would be super useful for things like Overcast. There's been many times that I've wanted to say, you know, hey, Dingus, play... I don't know, fatal error in, in overcast or something like that, or, you know, Hey Dingus play do by Friday in, in, in overcast and, and having the ability to do that would be really, really awesome. Um, I, I'm a little disappointed that Swift is open source in that. As far as I know, a lot of the things that I want from Swift aren't happening because if they were happening, I would know them because open source. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that maybe some stuff has been happening behind the scenes that is Swift specific. Uh, I've, I've been yearning for reflection. I've been yearning for async await. Um, there's a bunch of other things that I've wanted that I can't think of off the top of my head. But I, I, every indication is that I'm not getting any of those things because if I was, I would know about it because open source. However, that being said, you know, any improvements to Xcode to make uh, writing Swift a little better, to make using Swift a little better would be great. Um, and I, th- I know that's tangentially related to iOS, but that very, is what... Very, very tangentially. Well, it's... But, but, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you know, I, I ran you in, but I will allow you to make the bold prediction that there will be a new version of Xcode announced at WWDC. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, I, wa- I want to see, like, as an example, they added, I forget the official term for the feature, but like the memory graph uh, visualizer. Um, and they added, you know, the, the reveal clone, which is also excellent. And those are great. But that's that's that sort of a change is not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is something that makes... Uh, writing Swift better and easier, like being able to refactor Swift code. Like the fact that we can't do that is kind of preposterous now. And I've been talking to some people at work about 
um, Kotlin, about some of these other languages, about the way .NET matured. And if you look at the differences in .NET over the same stretch of time as Swift has had, I feel like C Sharp, maybe I should use C Sharp rather than .NET, uh, C Sharp moved way, way quicker. And I wish that Swift could pick up the pace a little bit, which is funny because maybe the only way for them to pick up the pace a little bit might be to take away some of the community involvement and make it more um, dictatorial rather than democratic. But anyway, I digress. The point I'm driving at... I don't think that's going to go faster. You really think C-sharp moved faster? Like, did it did it have uh, backwards incompatible syntax changes as rapidly as Swift did? Because I feel like that was unprecedented. No, I, I mean, it, generally it was additive any time that, that C-sharp... I mean, it wasn't always, but generally my recollection is it was always additive. And, 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 you know, there were always humongous features in pretty much every version. Like, I don't remember the exact history offhand, but 1.1 didn't have generics. Then 2.0 had generics. That's when the language actually got usable. Um, I forget what 3.0 brought, but then you had link, um, and then you had async await. And so there's been well, but, consistent... But you're up to... By, by that, Swift is in the 3 to 4 stage now, right? So... I'm talking in terms of equivalent calendar time, though, and maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I think you have to check those calendar dates because I think actually Swift has been moving pretty quickly, and I think it took a long time for C Sharp. Check check the timelines. I, I, I mean, feel like yeah, the C Sharp right. moved at a similar rate, but didn't break syntax as much, and went for longer until it got certainly before until it got async await, and maybe even before it got link. Yeah, I, I don't remember off the top of my head when link came out, but it was um, it, it has always been to my eyes moving quicker than 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 swift does so link was released as a major part of dotnet 35 in 07 so the 2000 ish was dotnet 11 six years swift hasn't been out for six years yeah that's true that's a fair point it may it, it seems it seems more compressed than in, in the past and maybe ids sure is coming along better but yeah i think oh, it's truth you know so uh, i I expect, obviously, there to be new version of Xcode, and you know some of those things that you talked about feel like they should be coming around this time as as Apple turns the the giant ship that is its Dev Tools division slowly but surely <laughs> over a multi year period entirely towards Swift. Still, no ABI compatibility. Like we're still waiting on that, mm-hmm. but that's as many people point out every time I bring this up is more of a concern for Apple than it is for developers. People say who don't mind shipping slightly larger than normal applications, which I guess is everybody, judging by the App Store. Um, but things like refactoring and other features that like aren't available for Swift but have been available in some limited form for Objective-C or seem like they'll be reasonably easy to do given that the entire ID is built on the same compiler platform as the language and so on and so forth. That uh, yeah, I, I expect people to be happy with, uh, with the features they get there. But honestly, it seems to me from looking at those public mailing lists and everything that there is still pretty big emphasis on the basics you know compile quickly correctly without crashing <laughs> you know that type of stuff uh-huh. um that maybe they're still not quite in a position to start giving you all the frills that you want and that's probably the best place for them to be concentrating you know they're they're getting more serious about source compatibility now and every developer there wants their thing to compile in a sane amount of time and they don't want the compiler to crash and they don't want there to be bugs and um we're, I think we're coming out of that phase for Swift slowly but surely, and maybe they'll have some things to brag about. Like, look, I don't know. They usually don't brag about how many times Xcode crashes, but they will brag about compile times. Hey, look, you <laughs> enable whole module optimization and compile this big project, and it was garbage on the past version, but the new WWC beta version is like 10 times faster, and everybody cheers. It's always a crowd pleaser, WWDC, compile times. Mm-hmm. 
But in terms of like iOS directly, shrug. I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm there's there's nothing I can think of that I can point to that that really grinds my gears on a daily basis, and and I think that's largely because I don't use the iPad very much at all. So you, do you think, so, you know, if you're not an iPad user or we're setting aside the iPad where we think Apple Apple needs to do stuff and they will do stuff, um, I think that if they're rethinking how applications deal with and share their data, uh, not the drag and drop business, because like on a phone, you know, you still just got one app on the screen at the same time, probably, although who knows what the hell they'll do with the giant phone. Um, but if they change how uh, apps deal with data, that could surface itself on the phone. I'm trying to think if that would that would change something about how how we use the phone right like because that wouldn't be a paradigm that only changes on the ipad it would change everywhere across ios and if they have a good idea about how to do it uh that would change the way we all use our phones in some small way i imagine maybe even god i don't know like i was trying to think of like what, what do we do with our phones we deal with photos a lot but we don't deal with them as files we deal with them as these abstract things so yeah i'm i'm, I'm also struggling to think of any specific thing that they desperately need to do on the phone specifically to iOS, but I'm sure there will be something. And, you know, obviously, you know, neat new small features, performance improvements, you know, bug fixes, all sorts of stuff like that. But we're not, we're not really counting those. But, yeah, I feel like this will be this will be a pro year for iOS if all the rumors are to be believed. And it should be because uh, that's, that's where iOS needs the most attention. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know... What we, all the rumblings we've heard about the iPad productivity enhancements do sound very plausible. I think a lot of it could come to the phone. I mean, you know, some of the stuff like side-by-side multitasking obviously won't be coming from the phone in all likelihood. But they could do drag and drop. You know, what if they did some kind of thing? You know, this is just totally random that I just thought of right now. But like, what if they did some kind of thing where if you, like, force-pressed on a selected piece of content, say then you got something kind of like what expose on the mac is where you where like it kind of zooms out to like a grid of the last couple of most recently used apps and you can drop it onto one of them and then that pops in and you can drop on onto a specific part of the app you know, there there are ways to do it on the phone i'm not saying they will do this or this this may be, even be a terrible idea i just thought of it now so it, i haven't thought this through so it could be terrible but they could totally do drag and drop and in inter-app communication and data sharing without actually having side-by-side multitasking where the screen is too small, like on the iPhone. Um, So I wouldn't rule that out. But I would just say, like, in general, I'm very excited to see if the rumors are to be believed here, the, the elevation of iCloud Drive, probably, into, like, the desktop or like the documents folder for the i for ios and that is a really i i think since the since the dawn of ios there has been this constant fight within apple probably from what we've heard uh spearheaded by steve jobs personally and and possibly even forstall and kind of that line of thought um of trying to get rid of having to deal with files they have worked so hard to get rid of files because files are the old way of doing things and people find them confusing and whatever else, whatever else. they have Files have problems just like everything else. But I think what we've found over the years is that people, people understand files better than Apple gave them credit for and that so much of work that people do on computing devices really comes down to dealing with files. 
And no matter what you try to do with the app model, with having these little containers that the apps work, use their own data, this kind of like fileless architecture, and, or that you kind of hide the files in these little dark places like the document picker that we have now and you kind of reluctantly deal with files like <laughs> as the system i think what we found over over these you know eight or whatever years that we've had the ipad that we have that we've had uh, ios 10 years wow geez been a long time um no 11 oh my god anyway all these years that we've had ios i think what we found is that files are here to stay that we can we can reduce the ways we deal with files. We can design apps that don't need to deal with files. And maybe that should even be the default way most apps are designed, depending on what they do. But that we can't get rid of files, that they're here to stay, that people use them, that they aren't necessarily even bad. Like it, for many types of work, that is less bad than the alternatives that we've been trying trying to shove down people's throats for the last decade. So... Maybe this is finally the time when Apple has finally embraced files on iOS because everything they've done prior to this has really not been that. It's really been like reluctant, you know, back alley stuff. Now, like they, from what we, if if what we've heard is at all true, it sounds like they have finally taken the step of making files easier to work with on iOS. Yeah, that's definitely the rumor, but I feel like uh, they already took a big step in that direction when they when they adopted a modified version of the Dropbox model with iCloud Drive. Like that was yes. a, that was the big change. That was kind of I, not that I I agree that it didn't solve the problem in the same way, but that was the turning point. I feel like where you could see from the outside, you could see aha inside the company the argument that you just described, like the the, the supposed jobs forestall position, totally against files, that the tide had turned. Right. And obviously they couldn't come out at that point and say, oh, we've revamped the entire way we deal with files in iOS like that. It took a while. And a lot of these things, by the way, a lot of the iOS rumored things, a lot of them are like, oh, that was almost ready for iOS 10 and didn't quite make it like they have been a long time coming. Some of them could have, in theory, almost made it to iOS 10, but they have just, you know, they, they missed releases. And so they've built up. And so now it's all landing now. But iCloud Drive did come out. It came out to the Mac and iOS, and it did change the way a lot of applications do with things. And you mentioned like the Dropbox picker, which that that was something unheard of in the early days of iOS. So this could be like the coming out party for a strategy that was embarked upon multiple years ago and now finally you know comes to fruition um and in terms of the files like every time i think about different ways of dealing with files that are not actual files or not actual file systems and stuff like that i think a little bit about google's take on this which i know is different because all their stuff is in the cloud but the the, the what's the difference between files and documents like well there's you know there's not really any difference like it's just alternate ways of viewing the same thing but it's the way google is pretty relentless about dealing with documents and documents that are organized into things that look like little folders but at no point are there anything is there any abstraction that is identifiable as a file really i mean even when they give you like a list view like in in experience my experience using google docs and, and google sheets and all that google presentations and google drive at work with a bunch of other people seeing how other people both talk about and deal with documents google documents is subtly different than how they talk about and deal with files because we do have shared drives with files in them and everything. And I'm not sure one way is better than the other, but Google has has been made a pretty convincing case for me that dealing with things like documents, 
even with awkward, weird, shareable URLs, but the, the URLs that still work, even if you quote unquote move the documents to a different quote unquote folder, like it's it's weird. It's like this weird <laughs> half measure that I don't think is appropriate for iOS, but it shows me that there is that it is possible to have a middle path that people find at least as usable and in some aspects better than the old way of dealing with files. Obviously, the, the multi-user collaboration helps tremendously to, I, I think it balances off the awkwardness of like that people would, in, in the grand scheme of things, people probably would rather deal, be dealing with files and folders. But because Google does so well with live multiple person editing and permissioning on documents, that makes you know a group of people like a company who are working on files together forgive a whole bunch of other things um unfortunately i don't feel like apple can bring that <laughs> if history has shown apple cannot bring the seamless multi-user editing of all data types uh with uh, constant synchronization in the cloud as source of truth and blah 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 in the style that google does so they have to they have to bring something else uh, and this is probably a bad time for me to be pondering the future of uh an iCloud drive style revolution for the entirety of iOS, bringing it more in line with enhancing its capabilities by taking the, taking the shackles off and not confining to a very simple paradigm because I just got done today reading a sad, uh, tweet thread uh from our friend cgp gray about his battles with icloud drive and the <laughs> amount of free spaces mac thinks he has and also marco with his potentially exhausted file descriptors which may or may not be attributable to this all this is to say that at least on the mac icloud drive is still in the doghouse as far as i'm concerned and i kind of don't relish uh that paradigm expanding much more until reliability gets better but on ios I have to confess I haven't had any of those problems on iOS and in iOS everything is much more locked down and maybe it will be fine. Um but the, the thing you described Marco with like the force press and like the dragging onto things um if like you were talking about dragging data, right? Yeah. But if there is any kind of file picker interface, some way to grab one of those one of those documents or files or whatever and bring it somewhere seems like a necessity and obviously that that the interface you describe works even better on a big screen because then you've got the second hand to swipe like that's the whole problem with like once you've grabbed it quote unquote grabbed it what if the thing you want to drag it to isn't there because it does the grid of things like then you have to do like it's it's the springboard rearranging problem like when you grab a thing to rearrange springboard and it's, and you want to rearrange it to a different screen you got to drag it to the edge and hold it there and it's generally it's an operation that people find awkward and unsatisfying whereas if you can grab it on your iPad and with your other hand swipe around to find the thing you want to drag it on top of, that works. On a phone, it works less well. So I almost think that that interface you described, A, will almost certainly be a part of a bunch of demos, even if it's not files or data, but just like I, there has to be some kind of grab a file and then zoom in or out to a different view and put it on something else. It can't just be side by side. At least I feel that way. There could even be some kind of little like shelf thing to kind of temporarily yeah. hold it while you use your other, while you use the same hand to, to, pick the destination right but i i always think that interface is actually better suited to a bigger screen it's not to say they won't do it on a smaller one in fact they have no choice but to do it on a smaller one because like you said you can't split it even a shelf on a smaller one it's well on iphone iphone 5 or iphone se whatever the hell that thing is called you can have room for a shelf to put i don't know um but i i'm kind of excited about uh but like i said the coming out party of this this file-based paradigm because and i I think there's also no guarantee that it will be the solution everyone seeks obviously nerds will love it way better uh but but we'll see like you know again with my experience with google uh, with google's uh products nothing about them made people better about dealing with files 
uh, but it brought a bunch of features with it that everybody loves. And I guess the only the only improvement to the file paradigm it, it brought with it is sharing that people seem to be able to figure out, which is not true of like sharing and, and a lot of other systems, and the fact that you can move things around and people's links to them don't break, which is is convenient. So um, I have I have kind of middle of the road hopes for iOS 11, but I expect it to be the true star of the keynote if there's no Siri tube. I would also <laughs> expect um, some degree of redesign. Uh, we've seen little rumblings here and there about this. Uh, I think if you look at the conditions that were right before iOS 7, so like the iOS 6 era, it was a time when the system stock UI widgets uh, started looking more dated than usual. Um, and they started, like, apps started coming out that people considered to be really good new design that was kind of fresh and different that also was kind of converging on some similar principles. So back then it was like Letterpress and like and Vesper, like the, you know, these apps that were back in the iOS 6 era that were doing like, you know, flat shapes, no big textures, you know, mostly color and, you know, accent color based design, things that, that ended up being very close to what iOS 7 was. Um, and then iOS 7 came out. It was kind of like the right time for it. Well, I think now is the right time for a redesign, not on the scale of iOS 7's redesign, but maybe on the scale of when we went from iOS 5 to 6. Because remember, iOS 6 was kind of a half step in a redesign. Like it kind of, it it got rid of a lot of the iOS 5 extravagance of things like textures, like certain things were flattened and toned down and sanded away and things like that. Um, so I think we're going to have that level of redesign here because we've, we, we can see, even if you look around, even Apple's own apps, um, if you look at iOS 10, the the iOS 10 music app and Maps especially, I think, has a different look than everything else. And a couple of days ago, they released the WBDC 2017 app. I was going to say, isn't that the thing we always do? We yep. all look at the WBDC <laughs> app and we say, this is what the new iOS is going to look like. And sometimes there's an element of truth that, and other times it's not. Right. But but there are, I, I think we can see common elements that are now considered good, fresh, new design that are kind of being agreed upon or converged upon that are very different from iOS 7. Um, Some examples of this would be things like kind of layered sheets with rounded corners instead of navigation controllers in iOS 7 that push big, white, sharp rectangles side to side. You know, now you have these like softer rounded sheets that slide up. You pull things with swipes and, and you know, and swipes are your primary navigation often for a lot of apps. Um, you, you move controls, you know, you scoot them kind of in away from the edges and corners so much because they're harder to reach on big phones. This is a lot of stuff that I did with Overcast. And the reason I did it was because I saw this stuff happening. I saw this trend happening. I wanted to get ahead of it. Um, you have buttons that look a little bit more like buttons. Like in the WBC app is a great example. There are like they're rounded rectangles that are they're not textured. They there's a solid, solid fill, solid color instead of just an outline because they like went with with no with just the text and then there was outlines around the text and now we can we're slowly creeping back up onto the old style button where it is a solid rounded rectangle with text in the middle of it. Exactly. Yeah. Now you just have a flat so, flat shaded filled solid filled rectangle or round rect 
uh, with with and and it's with a bold color too. It isn't like a subtle thing. It isn't a gray. It's a bold color. And it seems like apps are now kind of permitted to use more than one color at a time. Like the the iOS seven design was largely based upon using mostly white, some thin gray lines, and then you'd have one tint color, and that would be like your one accent color for your app. And you'd use that, so you basically had like single color design, uh, grayscale plus one color. Now I think we're having multiple colors are now okay <laughs> to have in apps again. Um, and so and, you know, again, if you look at like look at Apple Music, look at the iOS 10 Maps app, and this new WBDC 2017 app, and I think you see this clear convergence of a, a refresh design language that is not on the scale of iOS 7's redesign, but the same or more maybe as the iOS 6 redesign was. I think you're going to keep the, I mean, I guess they have to probably in some way, the, the buttonless buttons, like even just for things that are in whatever you call the top bar where you, where you hit done or you, you go to yeah the navigate. Yeah. That's, that was a big question I had when, when writing this up is like, what do they do with navigation bar buttons? Because in the iOS six days, they would have outlines and textures yep. and like, and it, and I don't think that would look good here, but I, I think that can be done well. Part, I mean, part of the answer honestly might just be that navigation bars are going, are going out of style. And that, you know, most apps are now using these kind of like sheets and cards and things that, that are not as often using navigation bars or not putting buttons there. Because yeah, you can't reach that anymore. So, right. But, but they're, they're still going to be in the OS. I think they're going to keep the they'll, they'll keep them in the OS, especially for legacy applications. They obviously have to keep supporting them. And I think they will continue to be unadorned because at this point, like the bar itself serves as a pretty good framing device to be to indi- the, the, the tint color plus the bar. This is one area where I think they were right makes it pretty clear that by this point if you have an iphone for any period of time that that done thing is a button and then you can hit it and you kind of have an idea of what it'll do the, the one of the most awkward elements that was added recently what was it ios 9 where they add the back arrow thing that they jam up into the upper left corner to get you back to the previous application i would love for them to come up with a better solution for that i don't i don't have an idea for them but it always strikes me as the the most awkward johnny ive painting inappropriately composed text jammed up into the corner it's like the beginning of a kernel panic like it starts just overriding your screen with this, <laughs> with this tiny little thing and i appreciate the functionality like i use it all the time it is good although sometimes it fakes me out because sometimes i want to hit the thing that's in the navigation bar underneath that thing that's not a fun operation to like carefully you know here's the thing i do like i go for my mail application and click a link and then i'm into safari the navigation thing on the top says go back to mail right and then you're scrolling through the web page to open in safari and you navigate and you navigate and you realize, oh, I want to go back to the previous page in Safari. And yes, if you didn't have a case on your iPhone, you'll probably edge swipe. But I have difficulty with that because I do have a case. So what I want to do is hit the back button in Safari, which A, isn't visible right now because I've scrolled, right? And B, when I find a way to make it visible, is nestled snugly under the back to mail link. So very frequently I go to hit the back button and instead I hit the two pixels away back to mail thing and instead of going back as far i go into an entirely different application and then i'm sad so i would love for them to sort that out <laughs> speaking of it, it there you go there's something they could do for uh ios on the phone for small screens sort out that mess up there somehow and and if the solution is like like you said like you know navigation bars uh the, the advice is don't do that because people can't reach them anymore and here are different paradigms you know either just you know edge swipes or a lower navigation bar thing or those rounded wrecked sheets or whatever i'm 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 ready for that it, because i think that 
a an iOS interface read uh, you know best practices shift that better reflects the size of phone screens these days is a little bit overdue. Yeah, <laughs> the double tap to move things down like it was nice they they put that there, but you know that that's another like that little back thing. That's another like well, what can we do in the time frame of this release to help people with large screens? How, you know, well they can tap on the thing and make the screen fold. Out. Yeah, all right. Okay. Perfect. Ship it. That I think is the more embarrassing hack compared to the status bar back button thing. <laughs> I think the, yeah. the reachability feature is so embarrassing. <laughs> I, honestly, I I think it m- probably has some utility, but I just never remembered that it exists. The only time I remember that it exists is when I accidentally activate it, and then I go, you know, I could probably benefit from using that intentionally every once in a while, but then I n- never, never do. I don't think I've ever used it intentionally. Yeah, that, I, eventually I, I just disabled it. There's an option in, set, in settings to disable yeah. it because I the, I would only ever accidentally invoke it and it drove me nuts, so I just turned it off and it's been fine. So anything else about iOS? We just assume 11. They're just going to keep going up with the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody had an interesting theory. I want to say it was either Mike or Jason that... Um, that everything will go to 11 this year, so it'll yeah, be Mac OS 11, uh, iOS 11. Yeah, that was that was Jason. I, I highly recommend if you if you haven't heard by the end of this episode, this like probably four hour long episode. If you haven't heard enough WBDC predictions, I highly recommend this week's episode of Upgrade. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, very much. So they do a uh, a whole draft. It's very funny and uh, it's it's worth it's very much worth listening to. I mean, the show is in general, but particularly the WWDC episodes are great. Uh, but anyway, yeah, going to eleven. Uh, I, but I, I mean, they, they took the numbers. They took the Roman numeral off macOS, and I don't, I don't see why they'd put the number back on at this point. You know what I mean? Like iOS eleven, macOS has the the place names, and I like, I like the yearly the flavor, the yearly flavor. I, I, honestly, it would be cool if if iOS had those too. I know they don't do it or whatever, but like it's kind of like a a legacy thing for macOS when it had the code names then it had the cat names and now it's got the place names and give you know give mac os some fun stuff it had to endure this terrible capitalization squished up name so it matches all their other <laughs> stupid os names uh at the very least continue to give it the place names because there's lots of fun things you can do with that if they were to get rid of that and just go with mac os 11 and ios 11 certainly fits with the uniformity story like i said they want everything to be all the same and look now we're synchronized but then what the hell would the 11 mean because it's not the version number i can tell you that like do they just bump the version number to be 11 i think i feel like they should have learned their lesson when they went to you know from 10.9 to 10.10 and everyone's like version number you know everyone's incorrect version number checks and their applications got all freaked out to change the first digit from 10 to 11 in the version I mean, I don't know. They didn't do it at once. I suppose they can do it, but it just it just seems like not a big marketing win because 11 is more boring than like Sacramento or whatever. You know? I mean, I, I think changing the first digit makes total sense. Like, it, it, and you know, as Jason said on the on upgrade, like if they're ever going to do it, it makes total sense to do it now. So it, so it then matches the iOS version for future marketing purposes. Um, and you know, if it, whether the first for, you know right now the first digit has been 10 for so long it's basically meaningless like you can just ignore the first digit it doesn't matter at all which kind of raises the question of why why even bother keeping that for like it's like it, what purpose is it serving just being 10 point something no, forever it, it, it's making people's incorrect version number checks continue to function correctly that was <laughs> a windows thing that's why they went from 8 to 10 that was that's not a mac thing i mean like no, I, that was the, <laughs> on the mac they had it when they went from 10 9 to 10 10 because a lot of things would interpret 1010 10 as 101 10, and being less than 109 because yeah i mean it's not a big deal like those you know it's not going to stop them from doing it certainly if they feel like it especially for marketing reasons but 
it's you know i i think the bigger reason to to not do it is because place names are more fun than numbers and and like and haven't we all been asking like mac os stop trying to keep pace with ios would be more comfortable if you waited a little bit longer between releases and got things settled because that's your role your role is the more slow moving one but they're not doing that they're already not doing that they're already releasing them both once a year i know but but if they make the numbers sync then that's like saying we're signed up for you know an unlimited number more years where every year that uh they have to be in lockstep and i don't i don't like that yeah Anyway, what else? What else do you, you know? Besides naming things aside, I I love that every year this discussion happens about like macOS naming. It's it's always heavily discussed because uh, it is it is more interesting, and everyone has an opinion, myself included, like much more than we think we will. <laughs> anyway, so let's yeah, have to know what the new default desktop backgrounds will be. That's the most exciting <laughs> part of macOS. It's like, yeah, and it's kind of, and you know, I speak this as someone who wrote reviews for the Mac operating system for a long time. I enjoyed the, like the the visual theming and branding. And on the Mac, the default desktop picture is the biggest, boldest branding thing of the running OS. On iOS, they do the best they do with branding is the lock screens they show in the PR stuff, and maybe the selections of the springboard backgrounds, but they're always much more hidden than if you see a mac desktop of it like a newly booted mac even if it has a few windows open like the the desktop background is so dominant whereas the springboard background is much less dominant so there's not much in ios to massively brand the os outside of the the widgets themselves and and the ui and stuff like that so i i do enjoy like you think you're making a joke like oh who cares what the you know the default desktop background is in the mac that that's a big part of the excitement of a new version of the mac operating system for me i don't know i don't know if i'm an anomaly but like the big posters they put up with whatever the theme is or the big waves for mavericks and the cool pictures of yosemite and i i like that stuff and you know in the absence of them particularly changing the mac ui which doesn't seem like they're they're interested in these days all we get is a cool name and a cool desktop picture and sometimes that's enough to make an association of my mind that i will i will link those images and that branding and that sort of mood and theme with whatever features they add whether they be oh this is the one that had siri or this is the one where they added spotlight or this is the one that had time machine or this year this is the one with the new file system that they won't even mention in the keynote so (laughs) so that's so that leads into my next uh point here on mac os which is you know first of all i i think we we all assume based on how they did ios's rollout and their promises last year that apfs is most likely going to ship with whatever the next version of mac os is uh and i would even say most likely even the default and i would go a little bit further and say what if it's the only option what if you have to convert your boot drive other drives you can do, probably do whatever you want but what if you have to convert your boot drive to apfs upon installation i think that won't be that big of a deal because a we know they can do it really really well right yeah so that, that you know it's not like it's going to trash people's data and of all the things be like a boot drive the only time that messes with you is if you frequently use target disk mode right because every other way that that disk is read uh you don't have to worry that it's not hos plus anymore target disk mode all of a sudden your other macs can't read it anymore if they're not upgraded as well right but all yeah. the, if you're sharing it like it's you know smb or you know whatever like it's not it doesn't matter what format it is and so i think that's a reasonable thing to do i'm just wondering like what, what would be the advantage right oh this operating system doesn't have to run hfs plus um maybe if there's some kind of headlining feature 
that demands APFS, like the newly rejiggered version of Time Machine that's like way more efficient and stuff. But they have an old version of Time Machine that works with HFS Plus. I don't know. Um, I, personally, I don't think there's going to be the fancy new version of Time Machine that works with APFS yet anyway. So I think this is not the year for forcing default unless there's some other feature that i'm not thinking of of forcing the the boot volume to be apfs i think they could do it but i'm I'm looking for a reason why they would want to well they would want to do that um uh, maybe maybe simplicity like again uh, with all the mac things i just feel like do they care enough about the mac to be that aggressive with the advancement of the platform or would they just you know this is one area where they will take a slower pace like this year apfs rollout a couple new features that are based on it next year if we're lucky, the new version of Time Machine that takes advantage of all the cool stuff, right? See, I, I have a hard time gauging like how much of a big deal macOS is going to be this year because there's there's a whole bunch of things that that the Mac could you know if they're going to be putting more effort into the Mac than they have been recently, there are areas that that could be really cool things like a new time machine based on apfs snapshots and everything um and and that could there's that's incredibly powerful like the things you can do by having a snapshot based time machine um you know and there's two you know you can do not only the external drive backup but even like just making giving snapshot support to the internal time machine like the 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 time machine on its own drive kind of thing like kind of like mini time machine they can get rid of the terrible local time machine hack that we all have running on our mac laptops (laughs) whether we know it or not which is in my experience, extremely unreliable and yet still there grinding away, trying to do something useful for you. And it's just like, oh, just please stop. And you can turn it off. Yes, I know. Exactly. Like that, like there, there are, there's all this cruft in Mac OS because of having to do these advanced features on HFS plus that if they just make APFS, the only option that just your boot drive automatically gets converted when you install the, the next Mac OS, uh, which is exactly what they did with iOS, uh, then, they could they could stop supporting a whole lot of that legacy stuff like it, it would be wow. it would be much better for their efforts to bring the apfs features forward if they knew the os was only running on apfs so i think it's it's plausible but they still have to support all hfs plus anyway because you can time machine backup external volumes and they're going to be hfs plus and so on and so forth so like it's not like they can get rid of all that legacy cruft code anytime soon that's why i'm thinking of like well what if there's a feature that they just like they wouldn't want to have a feature that says oh let's let's demo this awesome new feature say it's the new time machine and also have to say oh and you could only use this feature if you convert your boot volume that's the case where they would say you you know a, a they probably wouldn't even mention it but b it would it would convert your boot volume no matter what but even in that case they still have to support the old crap way of time machine because people i have external drives that i back up through time machine and they're hfs plus and asking people to you know not asking but forcibly upgrading their boot drive as part of the upgrade process like they did in ios you could swing that telling them oh and by the way you also have to convert all your external drives not not going to happen yeah, maybe. I, I, I'm still optimistic that they might require it on the boot drive, though. But anyway, well, that, that's a that's a question for me for prediction wise. Do you think the word the letters A P F S in that order, all capitals, will appear on any slide or be spoken by any presenter? I guess it'll be spoken in passing, maybe. Yes. But will it appear on a slide? Yes, absolutely. In worst case yeah. scenario, it'll appear on the word cloud slide. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, in State of the Union and stuff would be. I'm just trying to think of the keynote. Does it does it make because it didn't make the keynote last year, and that's when it was introduced. Remember, we found out about it when we left the building, and it was like, oh, and by the way, APFS. Like, what? I remember that moment very specifically. Yes, <sighs> I remember it too. But like the fact that it didn't make the keynote didn't did, not good enough for the keynote. Sorry, replacing a you know 15 year old, 19 year old, depending on how you trace it back to HFS file system, not 
not important. It, it made the State of the Union, and it totally will this time, too. And there'll be sessions about it, and I'll be all happy and everything. But I really... That's... Speaking of hopes and dreams, give me this one. Ha, talk about <laughs> APFS, at least in passing, during the Mac section of the WRC keynote. Do you hear that, Craig? Make it happen. <laughs> Do you? So here's a long shot. There was there was a, a thing that I think ATP Tipster told us forever ago that was like being considered... Um, and I haven't heard a thing about it since, so it probably isn't happening. Long shot, though, do you think they would offer iCloud Time Machine as an online backup? And and here's so one reason I think they might, besides the fact that they now would have the the technical infrastructure with APFS to reasonably do it, I think one of the one of the themes that I expect to see here is Apple pushing people even harder into subscribing to iCloud data plans, into buying more iCloud storage space, giving more and more compelling reasons for people to start paying Apple three, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month for this iCloud storage space, because there's going to be more and more features that can use it. iCloud Time Machine would use a ton of it. So, what if they did that? Oh, they're totally going to do that. It's just a question of whether it's it's this year or not. And and speaking of Apple services, I think, I mean, we still always complain about their pricing and how they're sometimes competitive, sometimes not, depending on the year, depending on the thing you're looking at, depending on how you're measuring it. But I've always felt like the Apple way to do things, and we mentioned this many times in the context of iOS, and now I, I think of it again in the context of, of iCloud Time Machine, is not to buy an amount of space because that's a techie nerd thing and people don't like to think about that especially because it's like more price uh, you know higher price for more but to sell to sell a backup my mac plan right like i mean you know like backblaze or any of these other things do like you don't buy based on space you buy based on i want to back up this mac like you buy like a membership in a club and then you break (laughs) the association between like apple loves to do break the association between the dollar amount and a spec right the dollar amount and storage space and now it's the dollar amount and a a result and the result is your mac is part of the icloud backup club and just like your phone is backed up to the cloud your mac is backed up obviously the the phone has the same problem that you buy storage space and people run out of it and they freak out and we've talked about this a million times if apple's going to charge more than everybody else the way to hide that extra cost is to i mean essentially like go unlimited but not really like to make it to make it that you're buying the result and obviously how much storage space you would use would be based on the size of your 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 boot drive or your device or they're like they're, obviously there would be a limit and you know what i mean but like to frame it in that way or maybe it doesn't have to be honestly if backblaze can do it why the hell can't apple right well, um can't is very different than won't <laughs> yeah anyway i i icloud time machine has to come um uh, just I don't know if local time machine is even coming this year, let alone cloud time machine. Um, is I think that is entirely a matter of how, because they could, they could have done that years ago. Like they could have done it badly, but like you know they did it on the phones with HMS Plus, and obviously on the phones it's easier because you know exactly what you need to back up, and you can discard lots of stuff because you can get it from the store and yada yada yada. Um, but Apple loves services, and you're right. This is a way to charge more for services, and they have the technical underpinnings to do a, a much better job of this. So it's it's only a matter of time and a matter of you know how much attention is the Mac getting. Yeah, like I I really do think that 
what Apple wants and, and what, you know, they're pushing for more and more services revenue, obviously. Uh, it, it's it's the it's an area of growth that they can use that is probably easier to achieve than, than some of the other areas of growth to maintain because different scales and everything. Uh, so they're going to be pushing this heavily as they have been the last couple of years. I expect in general, I expect there to be things like very, very heavy pushes towards subscribing to Apple Music. That's going to be a big one. And I think iCloud Drive uh, or just iCloud Storage is going to be one of those things too. I, I Basically, my theory is that within probably the next few years, Apple wants to try to make it so that using an iPhone or Mac or any Apple device without having a decent amount of iCloud storage space that you're paying for every month should feel like using it without an Apple ID. Like there should be like all this stuff that you're missing out on by not paying Apple five or 10 bucks a month for this additional storage. That's where I think they want to push this. And I think they will. And it's not like purely cynical. There's lots of great things they can offer once you do that. Uh, but I do think there's certainly a big motivation there to increase that services revenue. And that's going to be one of the ways they do it. That happens to correspond to things that are also nice for users. My stretch hope and dream for macOS before we leave this topic is I, I laugh thinking about this, but um, an announcement of vastly improved 3D API support, whether that be OpenGL, Vulkan, or whatever, like an inexplicable announcement because they wouldn't have any <laughs> hardware associated with it. It'd be like, why? All right, that's great, but like no one games on a Mac and all your GPUs are really weak. Why are you touting your improved OpenGL support like that you're caught up with the spec and that you're like... And we would know the answer is, like, there's another shoe that's going to drop that's called the Mac Pro that they're going to make someday, and maybe it'll have awesome GPUs, right? No, not DirectX for Mac OS. Blommer in the chat. Um, <laughs> uh, I would be excited by that, because it's an area where they are super behind, and they've been paying attention to metal, and, you know, like, I don't I don't know. That's I don't predict it, but I would, I would be super excited by that. So I have a couple of stretch goals. I mean, first of all, we should, before we leave the the more plausible section, we should also cover that uh, I think the rumored uh, iPad Pro drawing tablet mode is realistic and plausible for this year's release. Uh, the, oh, the, you're, you're lumping that in with macOS instead of the iPad, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's really a macOS feature. Uh, the The idea behind this feature, as rumored, is that the is that an iPad Pro with a pencil could be attached in some i don't know if it's only going to be working over a wire or whether they can do it wirelessly but can do it wirelessly hopefully um but basically that can enter a mode where a mac app can use the ipad and its pencil as a stylus surface of some kind and we don't really know anything more than that or whether this is even in for this year or not uh but I think the way they would probably do this if they're going to do this would not just be that it would be like a, a second screen that you could just move windows onto no i think it would be more like the way they did the touch bar which is it would be a separate type of output display slash input display that apps would have to specifically write support for so that they, they would specifically say like what would be shown on it and specifically receive the events from the pencil from it so it would if they do it that way, I think it's a much nicer feature. I think it's it's better, it, and it would have slower adoption because you have to wait for all the apps that that could benefit from this to integrate th- this this potential new API. You know, just just like the touch bar. But I think that that if that works out, that could be a way better way to do it, and that's probably the way that they would do such a feature. 
Yeah, like everyone comes talking about it as the, the 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 single phrase for this feature is, oh, you can use your iPad as a Cintiq, but a Cintiq behaves as essentially a monitor that you can draw in. Like it appears as a second monitor. You can arrange it with the other monitor. The full UI of your Mac can be there. You can drag the little menu bar down to it so that it is actually your primary display. Um, but that's not how you just described uh, this feature working on the iPad, that it wouldn't just be, because there are apps now you can get for your iPad that do this. Like, oh, your iPad is a second screen from your Mac, and now you can draw in your drawing app with uh, with the stylus because, of course, it's a second screen and you have uh, input. This seems like a more, tar- the rumors are of a more targeted interface, like you said, like the touch bar, that is specifically addressable by the applications. It is not just like, hey, every application gets this free because it's just a second small screen, which they could also do as a mode or whatever, but to really to leverage their the capabilities of the you know the, the high refresh rate and the the stylus input and all that other stuff it seems to me that it has it, it is it a better solution to have apps support it specifically in the same way they support the touch bar to be able to draw a ui over there and to be able to have the ipad handle a lot of the drawing you know the, the the local drawing to make it as responsive as we know the pencil can be in in the good applications uh, having that collaborate with the Mac app and and it could be good and it will make people's iPads you know more powerful and capable but not that I'm going to say this reminds me of the old world but I think of that arrangement and it seems cool and useful and a great way to leverage Apple's existing hardware with a clever software solution but then I think of the Microsoft Surface Studio sitting over there kind of glaring at me going you know tapping its fingers going you know hello guys i don't know what you're doing over there with your multiple devices and your steampunk windows but here i am a giant screen <laughs> and touch me draw on me and put me up now anyway um yeah i don't understand why this is something that people want like I, I mean for like artists and stuff i guess but why would a regular schmo want their ipad pro as like a, a wacom tablet for their computer yeah as for artists uh, but it, it i mean in this the way we're describing it, yes, yeah, uh, totally for artists. But because Cintiqs are super expensive, and I have one, they're not that great. Like they're they're okay. Uh, if you already have an iPad with a stylus and you like drawing on it, but you also like Adobe Illustrator, the full version of which does not, or you know, Photoshop or whatever, doesn't ship uh, for iOS. Just these cut down versions. This is an interesting solution to interesting solution to the pro app problem to get more people to buy iPads to use with their Macs that they might buy anyway. But this pushes them over the edge. I, because if it doesn't work as a second monitor like a Cintiq, I don't see people buying it as a way to use your Mac through a stylus. And again, there, there are iOS apps you can buy today to remotely use your Mac, to use your iPad as a second screen, to use your iPad as a, as a you know as a Cintiq-like device uh, for your Mac. Presumably, when Apple influences it, they will do it a better job because they have you know low-level access to all of that good stuff. And so that's what people are, are waiting for. And it is narrow, but like in terms of you know the the potential slash promised focus on pros both with ios 11 and making ios more capable on the big ipads and and the mac pro this seems like a move that is aimed towards creative pros and app developers who think they can make a cool application with this capability and think they can sell it for a fair price on the app store just seems to me like it would be a lot of investment for not a lot of return i don't know Maybe I'm missing the boat. It's not that much investment, though. Like I said, I, I feel like they're almost there with the implement. You know, it's uh, third parties can do it. The plumbing must be there. Apple's just going to do the better, lower latency job of it and have an opinion about how it should be done. You know, 
in terms of APIs and stuff like that. I think it could be really cool too. I mean, if you think about, you know, obviously there's lots of artistic uses for this and, you know, and I wouldn't use any oh, of those. Oh, you want to use that audio. I see it coming. Well, I, obviously I would consider, I would try that, but I think there's a lot of areas of common tasks that people do that could benefit from being able to quickly alternate between pen input, especially really good pen input like this, you know, like, like the iPad Pro, really good pen input and also a keyboard and mouse and all, and to be able to kind of alternate between like, you know, having, having that incredibly awesome pen thing that only has been available directly in iOS so far, but also integrate it with Mac workflows that could, that could apply to lots of things that could, that could be as simple as like if I'm working in Apple notes, which I, I really like notes. I've been using it more and more. And I did have one problem a couple months ago where like one device just wouldn't sync and it just was stuck for a long time. And I tried a bunch of crap and eventually it started syncing again. Um, and I've heard a few other people who've had similar problems. So I'm, that's a little concerning. Uh, I hope corrupt, Apple works Corrupt that note that you must hunt down and expunge. Right, exactly. Yes, who knows. But um, but like one of the things that Notes has is you can integrate doodles and drawings with the pencil and everything. And so like it, right now, if I want a note to contain a drawing, I have to go over to my iPad and add it there. And that, but so like if I'm working on my Mac, that's kind of not convenient. But if I was working, you know, in if if I had this that and my iPad was on my desk, I could just like reach over, doodle something, and then just put my hands right back on the Mac keyboard and go right back to work on the Mac. Not have to wait for a sync to happen up and down to the cloud and everything else. Like I'd be I'd be working in the document right here, you know, like stuff like that. I think there's a, there's a lot of potential workflows, you know, whether it's basic things like doodling or annotation, marking up documents. There's so many different things that aren't just like freehand drawing in Photoshop where this could be really helpful not to mention the freehand drawing in photoshop or even things like like if you're drawing something in illustrator you know in a, in a vector program where you're doing less freehand stuff uh, and more kind of like drawing with with math and parameters but you do want to add a freehand element to something it's easy to just add that and then go back to your keyboard and mouse for all the precise stuff you know so the, I, I think there's and this all might not happen because this all depends on lots of good high quality third-party integration happening and that's always a crapshoot you never know what developers will take advantage of and how soon and how well but there's a lot of potential for this kind of feature so if it isn't a massive deal for apple to add this if it's not like a a huge three-year undertaking where they can do nothing else this would be nice to have yes and it's something that that you know I, i think features that can really change the way people work on the mac are hard to come by these days so i think when they come by them there's there's actually a decent chance you know that as long as they're not massive downsides they actually might consider doing them so this i consider plausible and if they assume you know if they actually do it i think it could be really cool they haven't had a good adobe mac app demo at a keynote in a really long time that's the old world wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to come back come back to the old days and have have a photoshop demo on a mac granted with an ios device fine but yeah <laughs> <laughs> win some you lose some they should, they should run some filters and time them now i do have two stretch goals you had one for the mac i have two because it goes back to my earlier question of like i don't know how much effort they put into the mac this year like if they put in a good amount these are actually kind of plausible, but that's, you know, with the Mac, you never really know whether it's going to be a, a, a not even a big year, a, a medium-sized year or a small year, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, and so I think my number one stretch goal is 
the beginning of the iTunes replacement. Now, I'm not sure oh, it would be complete. You're I know. Getting yeah. greedy. I'm not sure it would be complete <laughs> in one pass. It would probably not be. But I'm thinking we would probably start seeing apps with new names uh, that, like, that, you know, maybe the idea that the Music. iTunes. Yeah, that the iTunes Movies. app would still exist, <laughs> but it would be like in utilities or, you know, buried somewhere. And then. So, like, if you plugged in an iPod, okay, you you here's your ancient app for your ancient device that... It would be the you, iPod app, yeah. a second app called iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. Yeah, but uh, I think it's plausible this year, not, I, I wouldn't say likely, but plausible, that we have an Apple Music app on the Mac. And what that is, is up in the air. That could be, it could literally be... Like, as the first version, it could be a fork and rename of iTunes with just the music stuff enabled and everything else stripped yeah, out. And then mask everything else. All the code is still there. The preferences dialogue is still modal, but the yeah, app is it's just, now called music. It's an if-def at the top. <laughs> so uh. it, it could be as simple as that. Or it could be a total from-scratch app that only does Apple Music. So it would only have the Apple Music streaming service. It would not have local library playback or even the iTunes store, because that's not Apple Music. That's different. Yeah. And it would so, be a port of the iOS Apple Music app. Don't forget that. It would use UX Kit for everything, right? It's, it's like photos all over again. Honestly, the, I had that on my list. I had, <laughs> it's like, because if you think about it, like you know, one of the reasons why, why it would be hard to do this all in one year is that if they don't want it to just be Apple Music, if they want it to be Apple Music plus local library support plus store support, they would probably do one of those weird like iOS port kind of apps to the Mac where mm. it would be kind of weirdly iOS-y. Maybe it would use UXKit or maybe it would use its own version of that because that might just be for that for the Photos team. Who knows? Um, it would be weirdly limited. It wouldn't feel very Mac-like, but you know, it, it could be an Apple Music app. And I think that goes along with, you know, obviously they'd have like a video app or uh, TV for the Mac. They'd have the TV app, obviously. Duh. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> anyway, um, and then also the... Um, uh, Apple, the iTunes podcasts were recently renamed to Apple Podcasts, uh, so maybe there would be an Apple Podcast app on the Mac. Uh, so like, oh. this stuff, this stuff all makes sense. Like, and I, I this, it's very aggressive to have all this, you know, planned for this year, which is why this was like my stretch goal. Uh, I don't, I don't, again, I wouldn't say it's likely, but I do think it's plausible, and I do think that it is, it is something they will get to. I just don't know when. Sometimes I think about the the sort of concentrated political capital that must be in the iTunes team app because <laughs> like there's got to be a lot of important people associated with their product at the high and low levels at various times in Apple's history. It was arguably the most important product that Apple was currently making and had ever made like in the heyday of the iPod and everything like iTunes was where it was all happening. And then it, it managed to hitch a ride on the iPhone rocket a little bit, but like the fact that it has remained so long and that every year it gets these, it gets so much more attention than than the improvements that are actually made by this attention seem to warrant. Like year after year, oh, we've moved stuff around and we've changed the UI, but fundamentally have not fixed this application. It's like there must be people working on it, and every year they have new things that they do, and you know, every like not small things. They have big new ideas about how the UI can be different, and apparently this year they think the mini player should be not so mini anymore, and it's just always something. But the preference dialogue is still modal, and it's still old iTunes. And you just like <laughs> what? What is? There must be such a concentration of power there that they that that like power and like the power to make these people continue to add features 
combined with the neglect to say we don't care enough to make you do all those things that Marco just has said that that are inevitable, <laughs> but like we always wait for the first one to come. So the only one of those things I will believe is that an Apple Music app uh, is the closest to not being a stretch goal. But all those other things, yeah. like I don't, I don't even know. Well, you know, it, it's it's it, it, I don't really understand how we could have somebody with a media app or a group of people with a media app pay so little attention to the Mac after years. Imagine imagine being in a position where you you have a media app and you just completely <laughs> ignore the Mac. I mean, Marco, how could one ever get in that position? What would what would their their headspace have to be to just completely neglect the Mac for a media based application? I think Apple has people who know AppKit though. Like that is key. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not going, oh AppKit, I'm scared. It's not like UIKit. You could have stopped that sentence at Apple has people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple yeah. has a staff of more than one developer. <laughs> well, haven't you heard you can charge way more for your Mac app? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, why don't you ask the other Mac podcast players how well they're doing? Uh, yeah. booming market. Casey will just have to Casey will just have to pull a Twitterific for the Mac and just you know spend an obscene amount of money for his copy Kickstarter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, truth be told, I actually don't really need it as much anymore because I've just been using my AirPods to connect to whatever device I need to connect to. So when I listen to podcasts, I connect to my phone. But in principle, we have to all agree that there is some amount of humor to Marco lamenting iTunes as Overcast for the Mac is simply a URL. Not much, because, again, Marco is not the world's largest corporation, so let's fair. just keep that in mind. Yeah. Fair, fair. Now, if you want to talk about stretch goals, I have the mother of all stretch goals. This this is probably... A uh, Mac Pro? No, this, I, think, I think the Mac Pro being released is more likely than this. But all I right. have it well, on here. This is going to be good. In the realm of fantasy now. My number two stretch goal, my final stretch goal for Mac OS, is significant improvements to the Mac App Store and sandboxing yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay sure so here's here's okay so <laughs> okay so just brief background <laughs> so both the mac app store and sandboxing launched in 2011 it was i had to look it up this is so long ago 2011 they had a ton of shortcomings it was really like a they were both the both the app store and sandboxing were really very, very rough 1.0s. And they have been completely untouched since. Like They have been a rough 1.0 for six years. <laughs> and and so I, I actually did hear rumblings of a little while back that there was an effort to actually rewrite the Mac App Store app and to really improve it. And we've seen, you know, ever since Phil took over the App Store, there really has been substantial progress and there was some before that but they, like now there's a lot of progress in the app stores and i still think this is a very long shot for this year i do think it is probably finally on the roadmap i think somebody is finally working on this the only question is when it comes out um, uh, are they racing the itunes replacement team those two teams <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, honestly the mac app store has a long way to go before it before it earns the stripes that itunes have in terms of being the crusty old uh, application that you can't get rid of on the system because it's essential but that is i mean i, I guess itunes does improve like i, I laughed before but does it i think i think i mean the mac app store app has been improved in ways that are not visible to users. Like, I believe that they have addressed reliability under the covers to make it not as awful as it was. They haven't. I mean, it is it is still buggy. <laughs> I totally grant you that. But I have to think that there has, even if it's just messing with the demons that are underlying 
the thing because the Mac App Store is this, this strange application, like so many of these cloud-powered things, where it's it's really just a thin, a partially web-based UI on top of a bunch of persistent processes that are running whether the app store is launched or not, which is why you can t- click the update thing to update your things or install an application and then quit the Mac App Store app and your installation proceeds because it's not your app that's doing it. It's just communicating to background demons. And I feel like that... Also, why you click that update button and just nothing happens. Yeah, well, that's it's just, <laughs> reflection just nothing happens. <laughs> right. If, but I think the reliability of actually communicating to the background demons and telling them to do their thing has improved over time. But I think it is plausible for them to... Do a do an iTunes style refresh where you aren't fundamentally changing the nature of the application in any way, but you moved a bunch of crap around and recolored some things, right? Or maybe you add tab support and just say, "Look, significant improvements to the Mac App Store," which I think does not fall into the category of significant as far as I'm concerned, because like I said, it's an iTunes style update where it visually looks different and people think it's the new Mac App Store, but fundamentally. It is still the same demons and the same weird web-based UI communicating with it, and they just added tab bar support or some crap like that. Um, I could see them doing that, but I I am 100% willing to believe that the project is, is underway somewhere to massively improve the Mac App Store uh, by making a new application with the same name that works way better. I'm sure it's in progress, but I will be flabbergasted if we see it this year. I still think my open jail thing is even more far-fetched, though. Probably. <laughs> of course. Yeah. We were sponsored this week by Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Go to casper.com slash ATP and use code ATP for $50 towards your mattress. The mattress industry has for so long forced people to pay ridiculous markups for mattresses that you can, you know, lie on for five minutes at a mattress store and then, you know, pay extra to have it shipped to your house and everything. And then you're pretty much stuck with it after that. Casper has revolutionized all this. They offer one perfect mattress. This is an award-winning mattress with over 4.8 stars and over 20,000 reviews uh, based on uh, Casper, Amazon, and Google reviews so far. This is quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. And here's why. It has... A remarkably small box, so it's very practical to get. You can get it up narrow stairs if you if you need to. And they, of course, also offer uh, adaptive pillows and soft, breathable sheets if you want those. And this mattress, the, the in-house engineers at Casper spent thousands of hours developing it with supportive memory foams for a sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce and a breathable design to sleep cool throughout the night. And people love it, too, because not only is it comfortable— but it's completely risk-free. They have free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, within 100 nights, it's over three months of sleeping on it, they will refund you completely and arrange for it to be picked up at your house. They understand the importance of actually sleeping on it, not just for five seconds in a store, but actually living with it and sleeping with it and seeing how it works for you because you're going to be spending a third of your life on your mattress. So, I highly suggest you check out Casper. They have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. This is designed, developed, and assembled in the USA. And you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash ATP and using code ATP. Terms and conditions do apply. Once again, casper.com slash ATP and code ATP for $50 towards your mattress. Thank you very much to Casper for sponsoring our show. It's weird because 
both for iOS and macOS, there's nothing I can think of right now that I'm like, oh man, I, I can't imagine them not delivering blank. I feel like, and, and I think Marco had talked about this a lot last year, that that a lot of the low hanging fruit has been plucked, and so at this point, like, what do we really want? And what it comes down for both for me is more about hardware than software. And WWDC in the last few years has not really been a hardware event. But that being said, what do we want from Macs this year? And I can tell you, I want a MacBook adorable update. That's all I want in the world. Please, can I have a MacBook adorable update? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the hardware rumors are unusually strong this year. And usually, in, in previous years, you are right that WBC is almost always a no hardware event. But usually in previous years, when the hardware rumors would start up, Apple would shut them down with a carefully placed controlled leak so that there would be some kind of reliable report from the Wall Street Journal or something like that saying there's definitely not going to be new hardware announced. This is a software-focused event. And that hasn't happened this year. Uh, there's a lot of hardware noise, and there's been no denial like that or no expectation-setting statement like that anywhere. So I'm guessing that you know there is some fire under the smoke. Uh, the only question is which of the hardware rumors are actually scheduled to... to uh, to come out this this time, like now, instead of the fall or some other time, um, and yeah, and you know, Apple schedule wise, I don't expect there to be an event in mid July or anything. Like it's you know, the hardware is going to either come out or it's either going to be announced when, when it ships is a different story, but it's either going to be announced Monday or in September or October. You know, like I, I wouldn't expect anything anything in the meantime there. So I would say uh, the the rumors this time are a little all over the place. Uh, it's the rumors are basically that everything is getting updated, <laughs> but, but the the ones that seem most plausible and most concentrated are uh, the the pretty much every modern MacBook and MacBook Pro. So the 12 inch, and then the the modern generation of of 13 and 15 inch MacBook Pros are all rumored to get KB Lake Intel CPU up, up, updates. Um, that that would be nice. Uh, it is, as far as I know, all of these parts are available. Uh, like they're from Intel. Like I don't think we're waiting on any on any chips being available or anything like that. I think it, it is therefore plausible for all these things to get these these updates. Um, there are some people who are saying no, it's way too soon. But the fact is, these all came out in October. They were already late even then. And you know, going like nine months between updates is not unheard of. They used to do things like that all the time when new CPUs came out faster and Apple would get on top of them faster. Um, so that, that is a thing that happens sometimes, not, not often, but sometimes. So it is totally plausible for them to update these things so, quote, soon. Um, and if they do, you know, everyone has this, like, wish list of things they want to be changed with the new MacBook Pro. We talked, talked about this recently, so I won't go too far into it. But basically, I would expect no major external changes i wouldn't expect different ports or more ports or the return of an sd card reader or anything that people want that was removed um i, I would not expect any external changes whatsoever uh if they have revised the keyboard to fix the issues that i that i've been complaining about with reliability especially with heat um i think if they fix that they won't say so it'll be a silent update um the one area that i think they might hit uh, of like the the main areas of complaints, well, two. One, I think it is it is possible they will offer a 32 gig RAM option on the 15 inch, 
and even though it would i think it still would need to use the higher battery draw ram but i don't think the battery draw like i haven't looked into the, the fine details of this i don't think i'm really qualified but the difference between the super low power ram and the kind of low power ram would probably only make maybe like a five percent difference to battery life off the top of my head like it, it's probably that's probably the ballpark we're talking about here and it it is it makes total sense why apple would not want that to be on all of the macbook pros of a certain size but it, it would not surprise me at all if they have that as an option so like if you want to trade five percent of your battery life for 32 gigs of ram fine you know that's that's within the realm of apple component options they've offered before that's within the realm of different cpu options uh or things like whether you get the discrete gpu or it, it or integrated only on certain yeah. models that used to it, offer it, that it would be great if they combined the 32 gig ram option with the option for for no discrete gpu i don't think they will but that would be a way to offset it maybe in future models hmm. right and that's one thing too i also do think uh i, I think are the, are the gpus in kb lake powerful enough to do an integrated only 15 inch now i know because with skylake uh, there was a thing where basically like yeah. intel's integrated gpus for that generation sucked and so they, they were apple didn't, probably wouldn't think they were good enough i think kb lake they've improved them and so it would so one of the biggest complaints about the new MacBook Pros is that they've been more expensive than the old ones. So I think Apple will try to address this in some small way with not necessarily price drops, but lower spec entry prices for things. So the 15-inch would probably be the first one to get such a thing, maybe even the only one to get a meaningful lower price. Um, but maybe they could do a discrete, uh, sorry, an integrated GPU only 15-inch like they used to do before which I've always been a big fan of because the battery life is usually substantially better and more consistent and more controllable. Um, so integrated only 15-inch. I do not expect a touch bar less, like 15-inch escape. I don't expect that at all. Uh, maybe maybe later, like in, in a couple of years, probably not soon. Um, but uh, I do think having a cheaper entry-level configuration is likely, probably iGPU only, and then also a 32-gig option on the high end. And with no other changes to the lineup, I suspect that will address a lot of people's concerns. It'll it'll really turn around the discussion on these on whether they're pro or not. If anyone's still having that discussion, like I think mm. Apple wanted to hit that, and I think they I think they will in these two ways. If it it might have good PR, but looking at those actual changes, I think they actually don't address that many of the problems because it's like it's perception. Like oh, we'll lower the entry price, but if you get the the 15 inch macbook pro you want it's still really expensive and we'll add 32 gigs of ram but it's not like we're making the thing thicker adding more batteries so you're sacrificing for it and you still have to get a discrete gpu like it is it is superficially making changes in the direction that people want but it doesn't fundamentally change the trade-offs that these machines make it just kind of it's like better press except for the 32 which is a capability they didn't have before and so you know kudos for that like that that's that's going to be mostly uh, a win but I would still, you know, I would still be awaiting an actual revision that reimagines these machines with with the new with the new demands of the market in mind. Like with the but what what the cranky part of the market has been saying about these, like make a new set of machines that take that into account. And I, and for the MacBook, adorable. I know Casey just wants them to revise it, and like whatever they revise it, and he'll get it. Yep, I'm going to put a 25 percent chance. It's not even going to be a stretch roll, but I'm going to say like I think it is plausible that there could be another usb port on that sucker not 50 percent, 25 percent chance because they know it's the thing that people want 
they're gonna do it eventually i think this is probably not the year to do it it's just like oh let's just do an internal swap kb lake blah 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 but yeah just i don't know i'm that's that's my that's my uh, Mac stretch goal aside from the Mac Pro stuff, which we'll get to in a second. That's my Mac stretch goal. That MacBook adorable. If it's revised, throw it. I I have a vision in my head of Phil Schiller's understated way that he would have mentioned that. I wish I could do a Phil Schiller impression. It would be like, and we've got another USB port around the side there. Isn't that nice? <laughs> like you, you know how he would say that. You know he would, he would like undersell it, right? He would he would just like go through the slides quickly, yeah. not dwell on it too long. I'm ready for that to happen. But, but Casey will be happy no matter what. He just wants he yep. just wants an internals revision. All I want is to give Apple my money. That's all I want. Is <laughs> that so be, much It'll be so ask. exciting when you're like, yes, they came out, and we can order them, and you get them, and your key starts sticking. It'll, boy, the mm. shows will get out of that. <laughs> oh, my God. No, because I won't be able to bring it up. I, I won't be able to bring it up because if I if I do, then... <laughs> well, we can tell when you type in chat, and there's no E's in your text anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> now, if I bring it up, then I have to admit hashtag Marco was right. And if we know anything about me, we know that I don't like to do that. He doesn't have a hashtag. He's just got a broken keyboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's The hash symbol doesn't work. And it would only say Mark was right because my O key would be stuck down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hysterical. They're good keys, Marcus. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, what, what about the Mac Pro? Can we just get it over with? I don't have a drink handy, so let's make it quick. I, I yeah, my, my take on the Mac Pro is I still keep people hearing like, oh, they're going to tease the Mac Pro. I was like, what? What can they even do? I I don't I don't need anything from them. I'm patient. I'm content to wait. We already had our Mac Pro moment. We had our shows about it. There was a roundtable. Things were discussed. Apologies were made. Like, I think everything is fine there. If they want to tease something, get us excited. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not a monster. I'm not. A, I don't object to being teased. I just have a hard time <laughs> believing. Oh my goodness! I, I just have a hard time believing that there is anything worth teasing at this point. Uh, like I, I, the best I come up with is they have a logo. I honestly, at this point, I hope <laughs> they don't have a case design that they can tease. I hope they haven't finalized that yet because I want them to do a really good job. Like I said, I'm. I don't want them to rush to market with a a box with a bunch of stuff in it. I want it to be cool in all the ways that a cool Mac can be cool, and I'm willing to wait a couple extra months for that, right? I have a hard time believing they have a case they could show. I have a hard time believing they would show the case. Marco pointed out when we were talking about this, I think, in Slack before, he pointed out, like, well, they teased the 2013 Mac Pro, but I feel like that was practically a finished machine. Granted, it didn't ship for months, but they knew the design. They knew everything was going into it. Like, this was, there was nothing, that wasn't like a, we're going to show you the case design of our work in progress. Like, that was the machine that shipped. Like, those, everything about it, right? Um, and they're not at that point with the new Mac Pro, I imagine. So if they want to show a logo and a tone poem kind of video, like the little dots connecting iOS 7 thing that they showed 700 times, sure. But I don't expect anything, and I won't be mad if I get nothing. Yeah, I, I'm with you on, on all of that, basically. I I really think it's it's very, very soon to be showing anything meaningful. It would be nice if they did, but I, I would I would put the likelihood fairly low on that. But I do think that it's it's worth asking about the iMac Pro. Uh, they in oh, that yeah. in that Mac oh, Pro. Yeah. That's why I had in the Mac section in the notes. I had laptops and then I said desktops. Ha! Remember, remember Apple makes desktops. But the iMac is overdue for an update, and they confirmed the existence of Pro configurations of the iMac uh, during that Mac Pro press briefing. Uh, and and those I believe I believe they said those were for this year. Uh, so, so you know, the, the Mac Pro, they said not this year, but the iMac, I think they specifically said yeah. this year. They can um, come in so, the fall still, right? And so, it's it's you know, it's either now or the fall event, basically, is when these are when these are likely to to be happening. 
I am still incredibly curious to to learn what is a pro configuration of an iMac and how does that differ from the Mac Pro and like how how does this product not make either the other configuration of the iMac or the Mac Pro very redundant like where what is this middle ground there are things they could do there but they're all kind of weird and obscure like high-end intel cpus and maybe like one or two mac pro features but i, I don't know slightly better gpus like yeah the, like i don't know. that's why it's it sounds that that's why i i'm incredibly curious about what the imac pro is like and and what makes it different from the imac and the mac pro i think the joke i made in slack the other day was pinstripe but uh now that i think about it uh casey's matte black iphone put that finish on the imac make no <laughs> other changes call it the imac yeah. pro people will buy it there you go i probably buy it. Yeah, that is would. possible that that the imacs could come out uh this you know this event but i think it it feels it's weird. It feels late for the regular iMac, but it feels a little early for the iMac Pro, depending on what they're putting in it. So I, I would say that's more likely to be pushed to the fall event. Um, and and oh, and there's also there is this rumor that the MacBook Air would be updated with no changes yeah. other than so, it would get modern guts. And I think it's unspecified whether that means Skylake or KB same Lake. Old, same old TN screen, but modern yeah. guts, right? And it, that actually be- sounds incredibly plausible to me because, be, because Intel at some point is going to stop making whatever ancient CPUs it has. That point is probably soon. So they're going to have to stop. <laughs> like, you know, like, they're, they're going to have to like finally put something else in here. <laughs> Can that screen manufacturer stop making that screen, please, so we can get an improvement <laughs> oh, <goodness>. there? <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and if if they were do such a thing, I definitely think that uh, I, I agree with the rest of the predictions I've heard, which is that it will not be mentioned. It would it would probably it would be barely indicated even on the website. There there might they'll, be they'll the put new a badge. yellow new tag on it, right? Yeah, at best. Like I I think that would be the only change. Like I wouldn't expect Retina. I wouldn't expect USB C. I would expect no other modernization of this platform except Skylake guts or even or KB Lake, but probably probably even Skylake because like they don't even want to be too modern with <laughs> with what they're putting in here. <laughs> so yeah, that. I, I would not expect uh, big things there. Just a very basic update. And if you are a fan of the ancient MacBook Air platform, that actually would be a pretty nice computer uh, if you don't care about anything modern or retina. And you don't, and you don't have eyes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But wow. like, like, imagine if they don't actually change the case size or the battery size. That's going to get incredible battery life. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's the, the danger of that thing. The longer you keep it around, the more people realize. You know, if they just put a Retina screen on this thing, <laughs> yeah. it would be the it would be Apple's best selling laptop again. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. We wanted to buy these other things for way more money. Well, the sad part is it probably still is Apple's best selling laptop. <laughs> yeah, I know because it's cheap, but but you know what I mean. Like, it would be the, it would be the one that we back when we were all recommending 13 inch MacBook Air is like yeah. the default recommendation, right? That, that we'd, we'd be in those times again. All right, what do we think about the uh, iPad rumors? Well, you just skipped over the Mac Mini. Let's just say no updates. That- oh, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Was that seriously <laughs> a, an option in there? No, I mean, here's the problem. Like, all the stuff we've gone through, <laughs> so many things were like, oh, maybe, or they could do this, but they, they but they can't. There's not enough time in the keynote for all of this, right? So, Well, but, so, like, you know, the MacBooks, I guarantee you we just spent more time talking about the MacBook Pros than they will. Yeah, no, they, w- they wouldn't mention that. But, like, all, even just the, other, the stuff that we have mentioned, like, there's, there's only so much time. They got a lot of stuff to cover. Whether or not there's a Siri tube thing, I just feel like this is 
we've overstuffed the thing with uh with with things that we think they're over 50 percent chance of being mentioned in the keynote already yeah and keep in mind also like the keynote is going to also have a ton of time consumed by things like retail updates like and like on the talk yeah. show uh gruber and dollar were speculating like maybe there maybe this is when they announce a major retail thing and then maybe they have angela aaron's out on stage and like that all sounds very plausible there's probably also going to be uh some kind of you know jeff williams like social medical environmental good initiative something Mm -hmm. like that like so there's going to be time with that and there's going to be demos of any new stuff they have and there's going to like there's there's going to be all these all these segments that will take up a lot of time and so the the stuff we're talking about is going to be squeezed into little like intermediate sections between it all uh so like we're going to sit here spending two and a half hours on this uh but you know they're going to spend 20 minutes on on what we're talking about here for two and a half hours well i think they if they have a lot of announcements i think what they'll do is they'll end up squeezing out the uh the less tech focused things because in in years where they have a lot of those especially if it's tied to one of the tech announcements fine but not not that they feel like filler but you don't have the luxury of an extended segment about uh you know health monitoring thing or whatever right unless it's tied to oh and by the way here's the new apple watch with a glucose measuring thing like that's the only time you get to have that segment or if you have a keynote that doesn't have a lot of stuff in it and they need some time to fail they'll do that but if anything close to what we've gone through is there they're gonna have to be super efficient to be like we got a lot of stuff to get to there's this there's this like that's that's what you know for the tim cook's little thing where he comes out and says stuff i expect his spiel to be we've you know we've got a jam-packed thing we have a lot of stuff to get to he always says that but like to actually mean it or to emphasize it slightly more before <laughs> he gets off stage and the parade of other executives come out all right so any thoughts on ipad hardware so my prediction is that this is this year's ipad event i don't think there's going to be ipads in the fall i think this is the ipad event for the year because it goes in with all the all the software advances that they're that they're announcing, and there's so much time left in the keynote, you might as well, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might as well get shoved in there. Um, you know, I, I think the the incredible rumors, incredibly strong rumors about this 10.5 inch or whatever it is, 10. Point whatever inch iPad uh, being basically the new the new 10 inch class size, just bigger screen, roughly same body shape and size. Uh, that is so incredibly strongly rumored; it's very likely to be true. Um, I think what we see basically is the new 10.5 is the new high-end iPad Pro. I think the 9.7 goes basically unchanged and just has its price dropped a little bit. Because if, if you look now in the lineup, we mentioned a couple episodes ago, there's this massive price gap between the new cheap 9.7-inch iPad and the iPad Pro and, the, and, and like the 9.7. It's 329 to 600 it, like that's the price jump there it's a huge price jump so something's up like I, that seems like a temporary thing that we're waiting to be filled in with that gap by some by other things or by changes so i'm guessing basically the existing 9.7 gets dropped in price probably a hundred bucks so it's not gonna close the the entire gap or it's not gonna come all the way down to like 400 or anything but you know it'll go from 600 to 500 starting price that's my best guess there so you have the 329 base one, you have 500 for the iPad Pro. Nobody cares about the iPad Mini anymore. Sorry, Casey. Um, and then the new 10 point whatever will be 600. That's my best guess. The question, one question I have though, is the 12.9 dead? I think there's a very strong chance of this. I think there's a very no. strong chance the 12.9 gets no update. 
uh, and is basically left for dead, similar to the mini. We will never hear the end of that on certain other podcasts. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they're all going to switch to the 10 point whatever because it's going to be the same screen resolution in a smaller body. Because they all have 9.7s because they're better. <sighs> Yeah. All of the twelve point nine users, like that, are like 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 iMike and Vitici, like they all also bought nine point sevens, and in many ways like them better because the nine point seven is a way better size to actually hold. Yeah. I, I kind of hope they kill the twelve point nine and make an even bigger one because you know I want bigger. I right? know you want that, <laughs> but that, that's a different thing though. Like I I, I think. What 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 I noticed with the twelve point nine, and part of this is because I actually did resell the one that I bought at a, at a substantial loss. Uh, what I noticed with the twelve point nine is that it, very quickly after release, it was being indefinitely discounted by a large amount of money at places like Best Buy and Target. And I and Apple does this sometimes to kind of unload things at lower prices that aren't selling very well. Like Apple won't, didn't want the PR maybe of dropping the price so soon but it was within a very short time of release that these other retailers that work closely with apple and sell very large volumes were suddenly able to sell these things at like 150 dollars below retail or 200 dollars below retail and this wasn't like a temporary weekend sale it was like this was just kind of the new price and it seemed like there was quite a fire sale going on on the 12.9 very soon after its release that never stopped so I'm guessing it did not sell to Apple's expectations. And uh, I and I, I, I really know. think that there's a very good chance that they that if they're able to cram in the functionality of the 12.9 into something with that 10.5 inch screen into a 9.7 inch style body, which they I, will. Which that's they the whole point which, of that form yeah, factor. which all of the rumors say that that's exactly what they've done. I'm guessing that the 12.9 is not long for this world because well but you got to remember tim cook's apple all that means is they'll just keep selling it <laughs> right right but but what i'm saying is i bet it doesn't get an update but but it's more than that though right because even though this phantom 10 whatever inch ipad is theoretically the same screen resolution screen resolution is not the same as as screen size and that's why you know the ipad mini is the same resolution as a full-size ipad and by that i mean the 9.7 inch ipad but some people like the 9.7 and some people like the portability of the of the mini and and so i don't think just because this phantom 10 inch ipad will have the same resolution as the ipad mega I don't think that that by default means that the 12 inch iPad just go, iPad Pro just goes away. I think there are people like Vitici, like CGP Gray, like Mike that want an a, a 12 inch iPad Pro in their stable of 504 iPads. I think Vitici will switch, but and then and remember, like 10 10 point whatever is much closer to 12.9 than the Mini is to the 9.7, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of area, I think I think all those people you listed. Vitici just wants the productivity, right? And I think he might take the size reduction as a win. Like, he just needs to be able to have two full-size things next to each other and blah, blah, blah. And he'll get that in the 10.5. Like He still has young eyes. Yeah. yeah. Aside from setting aside the random people that we happen to know, uh, market-wise, the the selling point of a 12.9 over a 10-point-something that has the same resolution... Maybe, maybe Arbing can be made for for artists that you just want a bigger, you know, a bigger canvas to draw on because you're, you know, physically moving the stylus over the stylus, which is again why I argue for an even bigger one. But I'm having a hard time 
thinking of someone outside that that problem domain who would actually prefer a 12.9 over a 10 point something with exactly the same resolution, especially if they don't update the 12.9's internals. And again, getting back to Tim Cook's Apple, maybe they just continue to sell the 12.9 because why not? And some people still want it, but it's really getting, if that 10 point whatever comes out, it's really pressing hard up against the 12.9 and it's pressing hard against a product that hasn't been updated. Um, yeah, I don't know. Things th- things don't look good for the future of that product. I really hope things look good for the future of a larger size iPad. They just need to they just need to widen the gap a little bit because they're getting an encroach from below. I will also predict on the iPad section. Uh I would like to see updates to the pencil and the keyboard. Uh if they do, I would expect based on what I what I just said, basically damning the 12.9 into, you know, nothingness. Um I would expect that it would only come in to the new 10.5 inch size maybe the 9.7 would also get it if it could be the same size like for the keyboard um but i'm guessing we get a we get a pencil too and a keyboard too with improvements kind of all around not like massive earth-shattering improvements but improvements um the keyboard i don't know better key somethings i don't know i i, I Track, loved gruber's idea to the keyboard <laughs> i i love that that idea that, that gruber kind of branched from on the talk show and then wrote up a big post i love the idea of, of the trackpad that's only used for like cursor remove that's an awesome idea i don't think they're going to do it this year but maybe <laughs> in the future <laughs> you know that's that's a great idea um and then the pencil i would love to see improvements for the pencil first you know the the smallest improvement the, the the biggest gain for me would be if there was some easier better way to carry the pencil with the iPad maybe a, a a sequel to the keyboard cover could have a pencil slot somewhere in it maybe I think it's unlikely um, but something that's more likely with today's Apple that you know maybe the pencil too gets better battery life yeah it's not bad it charges really fast it's bad. If you don't constantly use it, but you carry it around with you, then the battery life is really bad because it's it. The pencil has no on-off switch. It it basically tries to intelligently manage its power state based on things like motion and proximity to your iPad. If you carry it like in the same bag as your iPad, or if it kind of hangs out like on a table or counter next to your iPad, the battery is always dead. <laughs> because it's always like nearby and kind of in motion and ready you to go. You don't get the alerts that tell you your pencil battery is running low and remind you to plug it in. Sorry, your battery is always alerting you that it's five percent full. Uh, so, <laughs> so it it, the, it could really benefit from certain things that that I don't think Johnny and I would ever add to it. Things like a power switch. I think it would strongly benefit from a power switch. I don't see that happening. <laughs> so, what do you think about smart connector or magnetic connections or other Microsoft Surfacey style things? Because that's I agree that's the problem. Like, what the hell do you do with your pencil? And I don't think the solution is a bunch of loops or pockets and cases to shove it in. I want to be able to magnetically clip it, hopefully in a way that is still charging to the thing. But, I mean, they could have done that in the original release, and they decided not to, which makes me think they don't want to put holes in the side of their precious pencil to deal with the smart connector. Like, it's sitting right there. It's a place that provides power that has a magnetic connection points, but it's just too big and unwieldy for them to ward up their phone with it. But I also think that... There's got to be a better solution for charging than the little, you know, the little spiny horn that we, when you plug the pencil into your iPad and it makes this <laughs> terrible, ungainly, horrifyingly breakable arrangement of hardware. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the pencil I, yeah. right now is it, it really embodies much of the the skeptical take of a Johnny Ive design where it, it it looks like a beautiful object in isolation. But the way you have to actually use it has lots of design flaws. Uh, one of them is, yes, it does still roll. It is weighted. doesn't roll very far sometimes, but it does roll. Um, the biggest design flaw by far for me is that cap. That cap on the end that is very easily lost. If you drop it, it will break. The ring will pop out. Uh, it, it is, it, and it, the fact that you then, while charging it, have to take this cap off, and you have nowhere to put it. It's not captive in any way. It doesn't hang on to anything. It doesn't go anywhere. So it's just begging to be lost as you charge the pencil. Not to mention, you know, the aforementioned way you charge the pencil. <laughs> um, you know, either you have to have this weird, like, you know, gender changer adapter on a lightning plug somewhere, or on a lightning cable somewhere to charge it from a cable, then you have, then you have another tiny white precious thing that you can easily lose because there's nowhere to keep it. Or you do the thing where you shove it into the bottom of your iPad and have it sticking out. And as you mentioned, it's kind of crazy looking and really seems very dangerous and is very unnerving and doesn't charge as quickly. Uh, so there, like charging the Apple pencil is just a, a, a series of frustration um, and, and form over function design choices. And the, this would be alleviated largely if they could have one that didn't need to be charged as often. So, I, and I, I think that's much more likely uh, than Johnny Ive adding buttons or a reasonable charging method. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I just want it to magnetically <laughs> attach to everything. I want it to magnetically attach to the smart cover if you have one. I want it magnetically attached to the actual device if you don't have it. I want it to inductively charge through those things. That'd like, be great. That's that's not coming. I think there there are pretty strong rumors of an actual a pencil revision, right? And I forget what the, the the rumored things that they were improving about it. Maybe the the charging thing was changed, but all of our wish lists for pencils is surely not coming. Um, because again, like, it's not like the smart connector didn't exist when the pencil came out. It did. And they chose not to use it for various reasons. So I don't see them changing their mind in that, but, but yeah, like the, um, what would you call it? The logistics, the packaging, the, the, in, in Marco camera parlance, the handling of the pencil is pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. Like, and what the, the smart connector is wonderful. One of the reasons why I enjoy the smart connector keyboard so much is that, I never have to worry about its power state. When it's connected, it's on. It has no battery life. It's amazing. Like, it, when I'm using my iPad, if I want to use the keyboard, I can just use the keyboard. I never have to think about it. I never have to wait for it to charge. I never go to it and find it uncharged. It's just, it's a thing that is no longer a concern. And so anything that can bring the pencil closer to that would be a huge upgrade for everyday pencil usability. Anything else on iPad? I don't think so. Again, I, I think this is the iPad event for the year. I would not expect to see, like, if the 10-point whatever-inch iPad is announced, you know, t- next week, I would not expect to see any other iPad hardware released this year. I think this will absolutely be the WWDC of iPad software. I will go on record as saying I do not think we're going to see hardware. I think it'll be in the fall. That's possible. All right. iPhone, obviously no new hardware. Yeah, that's and, definitely the fall. Yeah. Because if you think about like, like kind of what we've pushed to the fall, I think makes for a pretty good event. So like what we've pushed to the fall so far is iPhone hardware, um, pro- almost certainly the iMacs, maybe Mac Pro info, but probably not. And then, you know, we haven't talked about the watch or TV yet. My best guess is that watch and TV both have hardware in the fall. 
And then there also might be things like the rumored Apple Pay peer-to-peer thing where you can pay people directly with Apple Pay. So if you think about that, that could be a fall event right there. New iPhone, massive iPhone year, right? So new iPhone is most of the event. Person-to-person Apple Pay, minor revision to the watch, 4K Apple TV with 4K iTunes content, and IMAX. That's a fall event. So you don't need like you don't need to also shove in iPads and everything else into that. Like that's enough right there. Yeah, I think the iPads have got to fall only if they're not ready. Like yeah. I don't think they would delay them for the, you know, I think they would announce them if they if they're going to ship anytime in the next like 3 months. But if they're not, then you know, fall. Yeah. All right, so software for the Apple TV, anything? Mm, the content deals is what we care about because like yeah, you know, the software and the remote suck and we all hate them and, and we have complaints. But like what makes that device more or less valuable if they're not going to change the hardware? It's not as if they can put another new interface. It's all about the content. It's all about I mean, I suppose the only software thing they could do is say, Hey, remember that single sign on thing that we touted and no one signed up for? Well, we got some and some of the important people to sign up for it. That's I feel like the only big software win that they could trot out that would have a, an appreciable effect on the life of people who are newly buying apple tvs like to not have to go through that sign in type these letters that appear on your whatever thing yeah i, I think tvs it's going to be i think a very quiet year for the tv uh for the most part um at least for for the summer i would expect maybe announcements of new content deals maybe we'll hear about that amazon deal who knows uh they'll, they'll announce some new partners that are all that will all be cable companies and tv providers that none of us subscribe to and oh now you can get to all these things with the tv app but you still can't get to netflix or whatever you know it's, it's going to be like moderate updates to the tv app thing they're going to really push it hard but it's going to not have a lot behind it um and all of the you know like what i said a minute ago like i i do expect this to be the year of a new of new apple tv hardware that can almost certainly play 4k video and would probably then at the event come with an announcement of 4k content deals with both iTunes and maybe other things like Netflix and Amazon. Uh, but I would expect that to be in the fall event, not this, not next week. So very quiet on the, on the TVOS front is, is my prediction. I, I don't expect any like massive new APIs for developers or anything. Honestly, I think the, the developer story uh, for TVOS has largely not panned out. And I think at this point it's pretty clear. It probably isn't going to largely pan out. I, I think it's pretty much done and limited to, major video apps and a very small handful of games anytime they want to do 24 frames per second output on the apple tv <laughs> sitting there waiting for them you can do you don't even have to do it at 4k you can do it on the old model anytime hmm. my bug my my radar that i filed for that i checked is still sitting there marked as duplicate never to be heard from again as with all things radar uh watch os uh, i would expect just a small evolution of what we're used to kind of a deprioritization of apps, a a continued prioritization of notifications and things like that. Are we going to get watch faces this year? I say no. I had that as a stretch goal. Like as a maybe I, I wrote maybe in italics. Maybe third party watch faces. <laughs> um but I, I think it's unlikely. Um and I do think too, like, you know, again, I th- I think this is going to be a pretty quiet year for watch OS too. Um, last year was a big year. They had a lot to do, and they really did it last year. That with WatchOS three, that was a major update, solved a lot of the watch's major problems in a pretty good way. Um, so this year, I I would be surprised if we see more major progress. I feel like this is probably going to be like a down year for now. 
maybe they'll do something like you know improve the design of the of the weird honeycomb app screen or you know maybe they'll add something like third-party watch faces but i think the more likely long-term goal is to add features such as an always-on like dim clock mode or things like sleep tracking or you know the rumored diabetes tracking thing whether that's a separate add-on or whether it's part of the watch who knows but all of these things would require new hardware like they're not going to add a new like always on screen mode that the that the current models don't have the battery power to do and still have good battery life for, you know, like all day and i think the it, having the screen always be on even to a very dim level and even if nothing's animated and even if it hardly ever updates that's still a massive increase in power draw so i'm guessing the current models probably can't do that and still have good battery life for anything else so I'm guessing that all of that stuff would wait for new hardware, which would almost certainly be in the fall, not now. They could fix your uh, audio player APIs, all your audio dreams, right? That, uh, that wouldn't be in the keynote, obviously, but that could happen to WWDC for watchOS. It's relevant to you, at least. It could. I, you know, I, I, man, I would love if they would make if they would make it easier for me to make a good watch app. Because right now, I, I made a watch app. It's okay, like with local playback. It's okay, um, and it could be good if they would you know bring over a few more of the ios audio apis things like uh getting remote control events from headphones you could like use the play pause or back forward buttons on your headphones and that would actually control it uh volume control of the system volume level not just the like local app zero to one volume level that i have now um any kind of now playing center access like you like you have on on uh, the mac or on uh, ios rather there's lots of things they could do there but I just think those are probably a really low priority for them because I don't I don't think I don't think anything on the watch is a priority that doesn't have to do with health or notifications. And that's probably with good reason, because those are the things that almost everyone's using their watch for. And those are the things that the watch is really good for. Um, so I, I think those things get priority. Everything else is probably pretty far down the list, pretty secondary. So I wouldn't expect a lot of motion there. Where I forget if you had thought that watch. Where does the watch go? Like the the rumored watch with the the special bands and you know the, the next hard, watch hardware revision. Does that go to the fall or does that go to next year? I suspect fall. Um, and and you know whether it's going to have like you know the 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 fancy um, blood sugar one or whether that's you know a separate thing or not, I don't know. I I, I have no idea. There from people who've been writing about this recently, it seems like that's a ridiculously hard problem to solve and many companies have tried and it takes a very long time. So it wouldn't surprise me if that part doesn't come soon. But they 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 did watches last fall and so if they're going to do something that would require new hardware with the watch platform, things like sleep tracking or always on faces so that you could like things that need that would need better battery life, things like that. I think this falls a totally plausible and reasonable time to do that. Not to mention the fact that it's usually a big holiday seller. The watch sells a lot over the holidays, even more so than phones and iPads, I think, from based on little bits and pieces I've been able to pick up here and there. It's it's the new iPod. Yeah, it is a, it is a massive holiday seller, so it would make sense for them to really try to get updates out there in the fall event for right in time for the holiday shopping. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Marco. All right, so to kind of round this out and uh and end the episode maybe some i don't know how to describe it but like some touchy-feely or like wait, wait, wait we're not done we're not here yet we didn't talk about services oh god this is the show that will not end i'll add the document okay well services i think continued push to icloud all the things and continued grumbling from everyone involved about how successful that will be 
Yeah, and, that, and so basically my list of services includes a lot of things I've already said, things like heavy push towards iCloud storage and getting you to buy those plans. Massive push to Apple Music. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be, <laughs> as always, is gonna, Apple Music is going to get a lot of keynote time. Uh, it might not all be, it might be, it might not all go smoothly, uh, but it's going to be a lot of keynote time. I expect it to get another redesign. It's still going to be confusing. Oh, but <laughs> the keynote time would be like Apple Music, your home for television shows. Like, <laughs> right? Because isn't that the pitch now? Like, yeah, it's Apple yeah, yeah. Music, come for our TV shows. What? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> like, and I, I totally expect them to do incredibly heavy-handed promotion mm-hmm. of Planet of the Apps and Carpool Karaoke. And anything else they might be they might want to announce any any new production. You, you, so you, but you really think you're you're making a joke about the music app redesign? Or you really think that's going to happen again? No, I really th- I really think it's going to happen again. I I, I think I can't, the I can't music app it. redesign is the new iTunes redesign. Like it's going to happen just every year. Oh. It's never going to be good. <laughs> Does that mean I have to disable connect to my toolbar again? Probably. <laughs> or or whatever new social network they launch this time. <laughs> so yeah, so my my prediction is very heavy-handed promotion of their app music shows of app music itself at least one really awkward skit or video <laughs> uh, something just really heavy-handed and awkward i hope there is just not time for this in the keynote not that i hope that it doesn't come but i really hope that there is not time oh they'll make time <laughs> um beyond that um icloud drive i expect as i said um i expect it to be a big focus i'm hoping that comes with some additional features uh, one of the big things for iCloud Drive, when, when I used it for a couple of months, I, I am now back on Dropbox just for various workflow reasons. Um, but when I was using only iCloud Drive for those for that month or two, the, the biggest things I missed were shared folders and public share links for files that I could just like get a share link to this file and send it to somebody. Um, and again, shared folders for things like, you know, let me share this folder with you guys and we can drop files here and work with them together. This is something that Dropbox and its competitors have offered basically forever. It's a really big feature. It's not easy to do these things, uh, but it, if if Apple added share links and shared folders, those are major steps towards a lot more people being able to use iCloud Drive as their primary document sync thing and to replace or never even use in the first place things like Dropbox. So that I really hope they add that. That is, I think, within the realm of possibility. You know, these these are the kinds of things that Apple typically has not done aggressively or well, uh, but they already have the concept of shared editing in notes, and there are shared uh, photo albums in photos. So, like, there is this concept of, like, inviting people to collaborate with you on a resource that is in iCloud. They have this infrastructure already in certain places. Let's get one more. Let's get shared folders in iCloud Drive. Um, and I would actually say the shared folders are, are more likely for them to do than the public share links for files because um, that's more of like a a web thing and Apple's allergic to the web yeah yeah and they have and it has piracy concerns and things like that so like they're mm. I'm not sure they would do that um, that's I think that's less likely but shared folders would be a huge thing I really hope they do that I'm still terrified of iCloud Drive <laughs> yeah me too I also me too. also uh, one thing they might do for iCloud Drive is Time Machine um, you know because a lot of the other services like this have versioning for the files, some kind of like recovery or point in time or versioning for, for resources that are stored in things like Dropbox. Yeah. It would be nice if they had that in iCloud Drive, and they don't so, now. So, so they're playing catch up with a company that refused to be purchased by them that they called just a feature back when Steve Jobs was still alive. I mean, here we are <laughs> so many years later, and they're still catching up with that basic feature set of Dropbox. 
you know, sometimes Jobs was wrong. <laughs> you know, he, he, well, he did try to buy them. Yeah. Like it's not, it's more of a sour grape situation there. I feel like he's he's trying. He was trying to to bring down that you should be happy that we're even talking to you. Your thing is just a feature, but they were interested in buying them. So it's not like he was really saying your thing is. Yeah, he was just trying to get it for a good price. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I definitely think uh, it could benefit strongly from these things. Uh, if and if they called this time machine for iCloud Drive versus if they called it versioning, who knows? It doesn't oh, really matter. That's, that's confusing. That's confusing. But we'll see. Or do we have to go into a Starfield? Uh, I missed the Starfield. Do you miss the Starfield? <laughs> <laughs> I do. A little bit. Yeah. Because the current time machine interface is so boring, and ugh. Yeah. When, it, when it doesn't work, it's less exciting. I also think uh, service-wise, photos should and probably will have, finally, syncing of the metadata of the object object recognition, faces, places, all that stuff, as we we talked about last week. Um, I also think that it is very likely that we're going to see a little bit of promotion uh, for Apple News. It's a thing Apple launched (laughs) that, you know, it's it's going somewhere, but I don't think it's going massively quickly there uh so i i think we're going to see a little you know some kind of announcements of some kind of minor improvements here and they're going to push us to use it a little bit more and finally in my services category uh i think we're going to see stretch goal here group facetime finally we've had a oh, couple nice. of couple little rumors here and there tester has been talking about it a lot over the last like year uh, i think this is finally the time for group facetime Here's hoping that 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 gets in. Uh, we had group iChat forever ago. Uh, yeah. You know, that's <laughs> now but, finally. And, and, and speaking of iChat, I know this is like a dorky thing, but I would like to be able to share a document in the old in the old parlance, right? Yeah. Multiple people and also, hey, let's all look at this photo together. Like to pull a photo from photos so we can all see it, right? That's a feature that I frequently wish for. And maybe that would be part of like the whole file uh, collaboration or, you know, the file management stuff yeah, and it's, not, it's not collaboration I just want to say like i can't tell you how many times i pointed one ios device at the screen of another to like show my parents who i'm facetiming with a photo yeah so they don't have to like leave the app and like because you can't do both of them. it's like we're you know we have technology here i should be able to put throw a photo up here yeah that that sounds like the most keynote worthy feature of all the service things because i really hope they don't talk about apple music but multi-person facetime so easy to demo crowd pleaser everybody loves it if they have it it's a shoe in for the keynote and then finally, my la- my final prediction for the night, I think we will hear absolutely nothing about iMessage apps. Yeah. They have they were announced last year, they launched, we got some cool fun stickers out of it, but I think the the app platform itself beyond stickers has gone basically nowhere. There's a small chance we might see stickers on the Mac uh in in the mac version uh, of, yeah of it, but mac mac, uh, mac iMessage parody would be another thing that they won't do because they don't care that much about the mac right and and it would never it would never get the the full-blown app platform i think it would at best it would only get stickers but even that like i i, I just think the iMessage platform uh it ended up being you know, kind of like the watch it, it, it ended up being used for a much smaller subset of what it could do than what i think they probably intended or guessed <laughs> and like they they massively over designed this system for apps to plug into iMessage when in reality uh what most people want to do is have a few stickers and call it a day uh, it doesn't and it's that hasn't been helped by the fairly awkward and cumbersome and unintuitive interface within messages to browse and add and manage your different message apps like there are there's room for that to make it a lot better and maybe this would change things but i don't think i don't think it changes things enough Uh, i think ultimately 
Uh, iMessage apps were a thing that you know they tried, but it, I, I don't. It, similar to TVOS being like a massive app platform, I just don't think it's really going anywhere. You know, I use the gift wrapped app in every capacity, including the iMessage app, a lot. I was really into stickers for like a day. It wasn't a day, but it was very briefly that I really enjoyed stickers. And now I, I almost find it surprising anytime somebody uses one in a conversation I'm in. Um, I don't have anything against them. Like I'm not opposed to them. Like I think a lot of people were when they when they first came out. But I too have been largely underwhelmed by iMessage offerings, with the exception of gift wrapped, which is as perfect as it can be given the world in which it lives. I mean, in a lot of ways, the iMessage, iMessage apps and watch apps and maybe even TV apps all suffer from the, the longstanding thing I always say, which is don't fight against the smartphone or don't bet against the smartphone. In most of these cases, you could go and use this, this other kind of app for this app that you're, that you're trying to do. But in most of these cases... It's easier and faster, and and it's already in your head. You already have the habits to just go launch the app and just do whatever you want to do from the app, like from the main app, rather than going to these weird little extension points and, and doing stuff there. Like There are some cases where it makes sense to do that, but I think those those cases are a lot fewer uh, and, and less lesser used than what maybe Apple intended or, or, or guessed when launching these platforms. And in reality, like... Almost every messages app I've seen that isn't stickers, um, you could just do it from the app almost as well, if not better. Um, and that's turns out that's just what most people do. And and it is possible to make an awesome messages app, but again, like the system of managing and installing them and everything is so cumbersome that a lot of people just don't do it. So I think you know they're fighting against the the convenience and inertia of the full blown app, which everyone knows how to do already and everyone is already using for these things. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a losing battle there. Speaking of Casey and stickers and messages, it reminds me of the one feature of iOS that they do need to add that will benefit phone users and everybody. Emoji search. <laughs> Fair point. That, that, would, that would be a massive crowd pleaser. <laughs> it's almost like they think they added it when they added that thing where it suggests the emoji. Like, oh, we have emoji search. Just start typing the word and we'll give you the suggested list of emojis. And mm. it's kind of true, but that just feels like the wrong way to do it. Like, you know how many times I drag downward on the emoji picker expecting a search field to appear and forgetting for the millionth time that it doesn't, that it's the one thing on iOS that you can't drag downward to see a search field appear at the top? Oh, emoji search. Like, maybe I just need to memorize where everything is, but... God, I spent so long trying to find popcorn the other day before I just gave up and did a web search for it so I could copy and paste <laughs> it into a tweet. Oh, my goodness. That's so sad. I know it's in the I... food section. Can't find it. Tiny little images. Too many of them. Scrolling, scrolling. All right. So what else are we looking forward to? Maybe that wouldn't be covered in the keynote or, you know, something that's different. So I'll, I'll seed the conversation with a couple of thoughts. Um, I'm interested to see what San Jose is like. I'm kind of excited that that Apple seems to be more involved with the ancillary goings on um, around the conference. They're putting up a booth for podcasters, which we will not be leveraging uh, in in part, but not exclusively because Marco doesn't have a WWDC ticket and it stands to reason you need one to get through the door to go to the studio. But 
Well, it's certainly. An, I think the bigger limitation is that it's limited to sixty-minute blocks. There's no way our show is under an hour. Yeah, certainly not. Given that we've just spent you know two and a half hours blabbing about what could possibly happen, let alone what will and, <laughs> and did. Um, but anyway, that that's kind of cool. They've been uh, over the years embracing community events like Layers and App Camp for Girls and the talk show and thing and AltConf and things of that nature. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what San Jose brings to the table and, and what it has to offer and. Additionally, and completely wildly unrelated, I am super excited to play Mario Kart against all my friends in person. And speaking of, Marco made a reference to his packing list for WWDC and actually had dropped an image in the chat room, which I forgot to add to the show notes, so probably won't be there. But I spied something interesting on that list, Marco. Would you like to tell us about that? Uh, the list ends with Nintendo Switch and Pro Controller, question mark? W- whose Nintendo Switch would you be bringing, Marco? Tiff's. Mm, are you sure? Yeah. No, I, I didn't get a second one. No, nope. oh, I'm surprised. It's, okay, it's that's our what family, I assumed. It's our family Switch. Tiff is a wonderful, wonderful wife. Wow. And she, after upon hearing the previous discussions, she decided to grant <sighs> me permission to take her switch did adam grant you permission does he even know it's going <laughs> i don't think he knows uh we will find out uh, but just wait until he says time to play zelda mommy yeah then you're gonna pay for that yeah i'm hoping that doesn't happen but i know in reality it probably will and it's it's gonna be it's just doing me a big favor here <laughs> and i i will not forget that no, that's awesome. That's that's very kind of her. All right. Uh, so, John, what are you looking forward to in the not keynote uh, parts of the conference? Earl, on earlier shows, I said warmer weather, but now that I've actually seen a weather report, maybe it's too warm because it's getting to the <laughs> point where I'll feel like I'll be hot outside, but in the blasting air conditioning of the indoor spaces, I'll still need to carry with me something warmer so I don't freeze to death. So... I guess I suppose that's preferable to the WWC thing where the outdoors is freezing. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. But um, anyway, at any rate, there should be more sun at the very least. And maybe people will actually get to see the various nerdy T-shirts that I wear because I'll actually not be wearing a T-shirt underneath a long sleeve thing. Excellent. Marco. I'm incredibly excited to do all these podcasts, to do live shows out there, to meet people, to laugh at how big John's wallet is. All the wonderful oh, things yes. we get to do when we meet in person. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be. I'll show uh, you my metal credit card. Yeah, it, I, it's going to be fun, and I like seeing everybody, seeing all my friends, uh, making new friends, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about layers and I'm going to that. That's going to be fun, uh, and yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a very very busy week, but busy in all the good ways. You know, we're going to have lots of you know presumably lots of good exciting stuff coming out of Apple. Uh, we're going to have lots of new APIs to play with. We're going to have a huge batch of new people installing my app on beta one and telling me how it breaks and complaining that I haven't fixed it yet. It's going to be glorious. And I, I look forward to, to this week every year. And, uh, yeah, thanks to our three sponsors this week, Casper, Betterment and Jet. And we will see you next week live from WDC. Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin. Cause it was accidental. accidental Oh, it was accidental. accidental John didn't do any research Marco and Casey wouldn't let him Cause it was accidental, accidental.
accidental. It was accidental. And you can find the show notes at atp.fm. And if you're into Twitter, you can follow them at C A S E Y L I S S. So that's Casey Liss, M A R C O A R M E N T, Marco Armin, S I R A C U S A Syracuse. It's accidental. So is it legal to wear shorts in San Jose? Because like I know, uh, maybe we should ask the Europeans. I know a lot of people consider shorts to be like a, a huge fashion faux pas, that, and that whoa, 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 men whoa, whoa, whoa. should Why never wear shorts. Why are we asking Europeans? Because it's America, damn it! Yeah, they don't really have weather over there. They they don't have they don't have like real heat. Cause they don't they don't even have air conditioning. Like they right. they don't know what to so talk they about. Are, they are wholly unqualified to weigh in on this particular uh, uh, discussion. All right, yeah, good. Well, I, All right. I don't care what they have to say. So so because it, it seems like the weather's going to be in the eighties, right? And whatever that is in Celsius, I don't care. You guys don't have hot weather. So in America, it's going to be like in the eighties, right? Because <laughs> like for me, to me, like eighties means shorts. Well, if you're spending your whole day inside an air conditioned building, maybe you won't be indoors as much as we are. But I'm. Uh, that's what I'm. That's my concern. Like that, that I actually will be hot outside with pants, but that there's no way I would wear shorts. Not for fashion reasons, but just because I would be freezing inside what is surely the super duper air conditioned whatever convention center where all the sessions are. I see. This is always, this is the problem with shorts, is that you want to wear them outside, but you can't wear them in air conditioning because then you freeze. Like and, and like. Not to mention the fact that like half the world thinks that you're committing some kind of massive fashion crime by wearing shorts. Also, I, I will mount a defense of cargo shorts. I think <laughs> that non-cargo shorts look a little bit weird. Like, cargo shorts, I, I admit, are not, like, the best-looking things in the world. But I think non-cargo shorts look, like, weirdly flat. Mm, I don't know. I think you have a cargo shorts fetish or something. I think non-cargo shorts look like shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god marco do you have any idea how much email you slash we are going to get thanks to this i don't care oh, I'll, I'll be in california i'll delete it all uh, i don't answer email in california do you answer email ever no yeah I, I i've gotten accustomed to the completely bananas san francisco weather which has perks but also has plenty of drawbacks too this is going to be a definite change and i think what it's going to amount to is i will probably end up choosing comfort inside over comfort outside but you will probably see me rolling into these events uh with a light sheen on my face as (laughs) i've gotten sweaty walking between buildings yeah this is going to be even more sweaty nerds i feel like that's a good safe prediction sweatier nerds wwc 2016 2017 whatever the hell year it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man we'll see what happens but i'm looking forward to it. i'm super excited to see you two i'm super excited to see all our mutual friends uh I'm, I'm just i'm stoked i'm i'm happy to have a ticket to the big show this year since i missed out last year just super duper pumped 